With so much drama in the world today, it's kind of hard being Sam, Coach, and Rolo, okay? But we somehow, some way, keep coming up with pretty good shows like every 20 days. <laughs> but seriously, as global developments get dangerously more dramatic almost every day, the churn in our own countries remains always ongoing, from politics to invasion, to crime and oppression, to energy and economics. And of course, we all have our own lives and loved ones to look after, with plenty of our joys and heartbreaks, as well as those of our audience that just need to be shared on air. For me, at least, it sometimes feels like there's nothing to talk about, and we'd just be rehashing the same old stuff or going through the motions. But there's something in the air this year so far that makes it seem like it's going to be a wilder ride than usual. And although there's always plenty to be despondent about, we should all be grateful to be alive and kicking during these historic times. And these days, there's more stuff to talk about than we have time for. Full spectrum news, information, and mostly family-friendly entertainment is and remains our lodestar. And what better way to get that done this week than by welcoming back not one, but two of our original heavy hitters and thus reassemble the American white power quintet. So, Mr. Producer, let's go. Welcome, everyone, to Full House, the world's finest show for white fathers, aspiring ones, and the whole biofam. It is episode 178, Mute Yourself, Noob, and I am your recuperating host, Coach Finstock. Thanks, whoever that was. Back with another two hours of trying to have some fun while also respecting your time. And yes, I did get my leg hinged, sliced open shortly after last show. That's the recuperating part, getting slightly more mobile day by day. Before we meet our bigger and hopefully better birth panel this week, though, big thanks to Charles, belated thanks to our Castizo hermano, and also our pal who we thought was jerking us around on a Monero donation a few months back, if you recall that. he It actually finally did go through. I don't know if there was a hang-up there or if he heard the show where we were busting his chops and he finally sent it. Anyway, thank you to that, Anon. And I have to give special thanks to Regulator the Madman, my new moniker for him, because he heard my sob story about my torn Charlottesville pants last week. And apparently he was living with a crippling guilt about being a freeload listener all these years. Anyway, Regulator sent us a bunch of awesome high-end tactical clothing uh, that totally knocked my socks off, uh, probably because there were socks in the in the uh, order. Anyway, thank you, Regulator. That was awesome. If you'd like to help out in that way or any other way, you can check us out at givesendgo.com slash fullhouse or drop us a line at fullhouseshow at protonmail.com. All right, let's get cracking. First up, he has been a busy beaver since last show, narrating his own autobiography, penning an article on the supposed conflict between Catholicism and Christian identity. Sam, have you started taking steroids or tests or what's going on there? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> you know, we had a, a couple people request uh, an audio version of that uh, article because I can understand nobody likes to read things on the internet 
especially off your phone or something like that. I wrote that article or that paper uh, years ago about an autobiography. So I, and since I was recording that, I thought I record this other thing. A, a few people had asked me to write something, uh, produce something along the lines of the other article. So yeah, I, you know, we'll put it out there and maybe people will enjoy it or get something out of it. You betcha. I'm going to publish the article after the show because I'm always wired after a show, no matter how late it is. And then that uh, mm -hmm. audio I will put up uh, if we're in a little hiatus or maybe I'll maybe I'll put it behind the uh, the Cantwell paywall, the full house, full house members dot com. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that after the show. Real quick question, Sam. Did you see yeah. the uh, sort of bizarre uh, inchoate uh, Christian ads during the Super Bowl? That was, of course, just tonight. Uh I didn't watch the Super Bowl. All right. You got to go back and check it out. He gets yeah. us LLC. There was a, the, oh, the most, yeah. the, the most over the top one was like all these sorts of people washing different oppressed people's feet. The worst was like a priest was down on his knees, watch washing a, a gay black man's feet. <laughs> and I look and, and my wife was like, yeah, you got to look into who, who's paying for that. But it's like the super anonymous LLC that is supposedly founded or backed by the Hobby Lobby founder. And they've been in hot water themselves for like being too pro-life or anti-gay mm. gay stuff. So kind of all over the place, a little mysterious. Check I have out. seen that, that uh, ad campaign here and there over the last couple of years. And it always is implying some kind of counter- morality type of a position you know trying yeah. to break down uh, the 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 natural reaction that anyone have, would have about a particular moral issue so yeah i have seen those before certainly seemed a little bit deviant uh to me mm -hmm. for sure and, and our pal blob uh just before the show said that that is totally nonsense christianity christ washed mm -hmm. his disciples feet he wasn't going mm -hmm. around washing every uh prostitute and uh, murderer etc in, in the holy land i don't know yeah. well and anyways i always wonder what those those things they're trying to imply like oh the the uh the outcast or the uh, uh, marginalized or something like that. Sure. Why don't they? Why don't they show him washing like a white supremacist feet? That's right. Yeah, my feet can use that a really. Scrub. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that like the most maligned possible position? That I mean, you can accuse somebody of being a white supremacist or a white nationalist, and if it's credibly done, that person loses their job and everything else. No black gay person is going to lose their job over nothing. Bingo, Sam. I think you nailed it there. Yep. <clears throat> we are. <laughs> we are the oppressed. We wouldn't have it any other yeah. way. <laughs> right, welcome right. back, big guy. Next up, he left the ranch today to go to a Super Bowl party, but was last seen standing in the corner with one of those thought bubbles. They don't know I'm too good for sports ball. <laughs> Rolo, how did it go? Well, um, I wasn't really paying much attention to the game. I, I went because someone invited me to a party. And I made snarky comments the entire time. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I'm not kidding. I, I did the entire time. I, I, and when the, and I've, I've told a few people this, but I'll tell it uh, on air now. When the Stand Up to Jewish Hate commercial came on, and the, this was all with normies. I, I started laughing, but I wasn't like laughing out loud. I literally had to hold my laughter. And so the whole time, <laughs> and they, everybody True. in the room was just staring at me. And, you know, just said, you know, draw your own conclusions. And they, uh, they, and then they were doing this all like, oh, you scamp, you're, 
<laughs> You're so wacky. You troublemaker. Yeah. Oh, you. Reverend uh, for, a wacky yeah. Rolo. <laughs> and unfortunately, I was making snarky comments the whole time. So, uh, yeah, no one would suspect anything uh, really? honest. Yeah, we, we watched the, we watched the, it actually went to overtime and I was like, we got to record the show. Nobody really cared that much, but it, it, you know, I, I, that's the one football game I'll generally watch every year, simply out of cultural curiosity. And, uh, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. There was of course the usual stuff, but I, I didn't get my panties in a bunch over it. Commercials were pretty you know. bad. Let's be fair. Uh, yeah, there, there was, there was a bunch of it. Um, yeah. In the olden days that you didn't really have so much overt like political cultural programming i guess or propaganda anyway moving on and welcome back buddy bringing up the front of our double stack of return patient special guests recently liberated from the massive time suck and let's be honest headaches and stress of the party he has since reinvented himself as a reply guy to gun nutrition and anti-tranny accounts on twitter it's kind of true <laughs> smasher i guess you earned a little downtime how are you and welcome back big guy hey i'm glad to be back again um yeah, well, I finally got back on Twitter. Um, I was bullied into it by somebody, and right. uh, I've always, I've really always been a reply guy on, on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I've never been like a main character on Twitter, and because mm -hmm. like I don't tweet like political takes typically. I just call people retarded or tweet like dumb bullshit about like, oh, I got a dog or something, you know. Sure, uh, which is true. I did get a dog. Um, you oh, got to talk about that later. You madman, fool. No, <laughs> <laughs> but um. You know, that's like, I've always just used Twitter and even like my, my Telegram channel, 90% of the time I was just tweeting like, or posting, you know, not like a daily memes. journal, but just yeah. memes, yeah. memes, dumb bullshit, like whatever dumb thought comes into my head. Like I'm, I've never been good about following the news. Um, you know, so it's just kind of like, whatever, I've always had a full-time job, uh, even throughout the whole time with the party and everything. Like I always maintained sure. full employment. So like, I've never been able to like sit around and consume the news. I was much better when I was in the army. I was much better about following the news because I sat around a lot yeah. while I was in the army. Cause it's you know, all, like all that either, time on your laptop. Yep. Yep. It's like, you're either really busy or you're doing nothing. And so, you know, it's like, I either have time to not look at my phone or I am only going to look at my phone today. It's one of the two. And, uh, since I got out of the army, it hasn't really been like that, especially with having kids and everything else too. Like all these things just compound, and so it's like, you know, I'm just kind of out of the loop on the news. And that was part of why I got back on Twitter. Um, I've actually had this account for a while now, I think maybe even a year, <laughs> but I just, yeah. I didn't do anything with it. It was, I uh, spotted you. I spotted you in the wild the other day. I was like, ah, oh, like he got back on. Do you want to share the handle to get new followers or you don't want to get banned? He's still kind of undercover. Uh, no, I don't care. It's just at McKevitt underscore. All right. I'll put it in the show notes. Did you follow uh, me? Yeah. Uh, I am not back on Twitter. I'm lurking. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I was. <laughs> that's, and that we talked about it a little bit last week. I was like going through. I was like, all right, that's really cool that our guys are like, you know, pushing limits. And there's still a lot of like, you know, high powered accounts and j narrative jamming. But I was like, this is yeah. all this is all the same stuff from six, seven years ago. Uh, not to be like too old for school, too cool for school, you know, but I was like, yeah, but like, six, oh. seven, six, seven years ago, we were getting like. 30, 40, 50,000 followers. Now people have like, like Elijah Schaefer, love him, hate him, think yeah, he's like true. a gatekeeper yeah. or whatever. He has 660. Why am I so retarded? 
665,000 followers. He's over half a million followers. Like I know. And some of the guys with the discipline to like keep it safe all those years and not get banned, they've got 100K or 50K or whatever. I'm like, damn, yeah. all right. Yeah. Who knows how um, we, we have famous uh, like UFC fighters like Sh- Sean Strickland. Um, what the hell is the other guy's name? Oh, shit. Uh, are you talking about the uh, um, Jake Shields? Shales. Jake Shields, yeah, a vegan yeah, guy. Jake, Sh- Jake Shields has uh, 600,000 followers and he's talking about Jews all the time. Like, yep. So, uh, you it's, know, it's I don't good. know. It's good. Twitter, Twitter has actually been extremely, um, I don't want to say white pilling, but it's made me look at things much more positively, you know? Yeah. No, no. Just to, to see surprisingly. Polls and, weird. Uh, yeah. To see, see people get ratioed and see the polls go our way, yeah. even if it's like right. Hamas versus Israel and it's like overwhelming. Yeah. yeah good work. Well, glad yeah. to see you back on there. All right. Got to move and, on. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Gun, go ahead. Well, gun Twitter. So the gun Twitter guys that I interact with, I used to, I had an account uh, a couple of years ago that I had worked my way into their circles and I was DMs. I was DMing with a bunch of them and stuff like that. And like Twitter, because it's been so long, that doesn't mean anything at this point, but it's cool to see these guys like almost where we're at very close. A lot of them are at least even pushing, they're pushing race. Like they'd never pushed before. Some of them aren't pushing race at all, but they're talking about Jews. And it's like, these are guys that I thought were doomed, like SF guys and, and uh huh other things like that where it's like dude i thought that they were just blinders on like what even if they do know they're like i don't care because like you know i see what happens if i say something about it so i'm just not going to say something about it but these guys are out there and it's just like oh it's so good and seeing like gun industry guys even doing it and it's like okay you know these are all good things absolutely yeah, jack basobiak two million followers tweeting the uh, white genocide black black body yeah. little <laughs> poles on the <laughs> board moving yep. up to the white countries yep and so I'll say one thing, and this is not the fault of the NJP. I'm not like crapping on the NJP, but since leaving the NJP and kind of stepping back from Telegram and looking at stuff on other platforms, I'm so much more positive like about everything. Yep. And again, like I'm not, talking crap on the njp that it really it wasn't the njp's fault that that happened it's just like we were using telegram and so that's what you kind of get sucked Mm -hmm. into right yep and as soon as telegram stopped being the main place that i was communicating with people you know it's kind of like in the njp we were looking at things from like ten thousand feet but now i'm looking at things from fifty thousand feet and it looks so much better you know, sure. Yeah. And it, it helps that to be like, a, yeah, you're in a bigger play playground. You've got actual enemies to like jointly attack and signal jam instead of being in that giant crabs in a bucket thing with a lot right. of wonderful and people. That's, and that's yeah. everybody. That's what every, but everybody knows this about telegram. And again, which is why I'm not saying like, it's not the NJP's fault. Everybody knows this about telegram is that it's, um, it's, a, it's a ghetto. It's an internet ghetto. Like we, we got put here on, we got banned from everything for a long time and we got put here on purpose. And now all people do is fight with each other since everything moved to telegram, like infighting has gone through the roof. Yeah. Well, that, that's good. Good time to cut you off. Chatty Kathy, gift of gab, Blarney stone kisser MF. Anyway, <laughs> welcome back, big guy. Happy to have you. And finally, at long last, our elusive old pal, 
like a brain damaged bear, he goes into hibernation and then reemerges several times per year now with no regard to the weather or the seasons. But we still wouldn't have it any other way. Welcome back to J.O. How are you doing, everybody? Listen, <clears throat> you can get away with a lot more on Twitter than you could in the era where we were getting banned. And in fact, I have an account. It's a popular account. I'm not going to tell you the hat, but my account is completely apolitical. And if you know of an account out there that is non-threatening animals attempting to look threatening, by God, you've found me. <laughs> this is like the equivalent of my, I have a girlfriend and she lives in Canada. You don't have a high-powered Normie account. Nice try. No, it, no it's not high-powered. <laughs> oh. It has some followers. And it's like, okay. have you ever seen like a red panda try and look threatening? <laughs> it's the most hilarious thing on earth. And there's all kinds of small furry woodland creatures that when threatened attempt to look hard. And that's all my account is. Like if a squirrel wants Smash. to fight and it gets caught on camera, I'm there. Everybody's got to have a hobby. I was thinking about you the other day, big guy, because the last time I had knee surgery, <clears throat> it was less invasive than this one. And sometimes surgeons are like, you know, no weight bearing for two weeks or weight bearing right out of the gate, as long as you can tolerate it. And that was that one back in 2017. And you and me and the family, we drove all that way up to that party. And then uh, like not everybody knew that I had knee surgery. I wasn't wearing the brace. And they were like, is, is coach a, a gimp? Is he a cripple? <laughs> and oh, you had my back. <laughs> you had my back and remind, like he just had knee surgery three days ago, guys. <laughs> Well, anyway, no, I'll tell yeah, you the yeah. sort of hero story from that, and I don't know if anyone's ever seen the first season of True Detective, but because your knee was banged up, I offered to mow your lawn, and you were like, there's no way you're mowing my GD lawn. <laughs> and you mowed your own I grass with the knee brace hobbling on, around the whole time. I did, yeah. inside your house like, hey, he's a man. You got to let him do what he's going to do. A couple slopes back there, too. Not Asia, yeah. but yeah, yeah, real slopes. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then yeah, and then later when we had that big party, my one buddy did come. I did let one man mow my lawn once. Uh, Smasher tried before, and, and we wrestled, and, and I won. Uh, but welcome back. Uh, how's the Hamburglar? Anything at the top here you want to get off your chest? No, he's doing great. Uh, funny Super Bowl story that I had forgotten about until my wife brought it up today. This wasn't last year. It was either two years ago or the year before that. I wasn't there. I was at work, but my wife was watching the Super Bowl with her family and the halftime show had come on and it had flashing lights and music. So my son got super excited and he walked up to the TV and he's like smiling and bouncing around. And then like the special secret guest to that year was Missy Elliott. And it went from whatever was happening and cut straight to her face. And it terrified him so bad that he was like shaking and a recluse. And it took him a long time to get over it. He wouldn't look at a TV for any reason for the better part of a week because he was so terrified of Missy Elliott. He probably said that she looked better fat, right? Before she had the gastric bypass. Yeah. That was a joke. I know she's just a scary black lady with the spider hair on TV. But uh, yeah, it was it was a at least the halftime show and a lot of it was a completely negrified spectacle reminded me of uncle. We are going to talk a little bit bit about Hitler and the Nazis later. But before we do that, um, 
J.O. I, I was serious. J.O. pops in and then he's like, you guys are bumming me out. I'm out of here. And he goes for a while and then he comes back at, at will, at whim, as is his uh, earned right. But we were talking about dating and chicks and dudes and getting in the pool and online versus IRL the other day. And you were spitting wisdom. Um, if you remember that conversation, you know, part of it was like wingman psychology. Part of it was just getting in the arena. Many, many years and episodes ago, you had some great tips on Get the Gringa if somebody wants to go back into the early archives on Telegram. Uh, but, you know, ha- sit down and uh, teach the single guys out there a little bit if you could, because you are not at all full of BS on this stuff. I know. I'm sure. Like, I don't know how many people are listening now that used to listen to various shows that I used to do back in the day, but. I've attended, you know, a lot of events all over the country with a bunch of our guys, and I've demonstrated the sort of stuff that I'm talking about. Lots of people have seen me do it, um, and if I ever see you again, I'll show you. Uh, and there's sort of two moves, I guess, that, uh, that one of them would come up in conversation, and I wanted to keep the other one in the tank for this because it's kind of a, oh, I see what you did there move, and I just kind of wanted to let it be a surprise, but the, the, you know, in, there are so many target rich environments and we can talk about how like the sort of girl you're looking for, you're not going to meet in a bar. And that's probably true, but there's a million kinds of places you can go. Like the one I always try and tell everyone about where they always go, Oh, is smoothie shops and like fancy beverage stuff. If this place does smoothies, if it's a Starbucks, of course, that's a chick magnet. Um, or like a Jamba juice, that's where you find women. And especially in like a smoothie place, you're more likely to find the yoga type, whereas Starbucks is all types. But um, so the the move that I may have even talked about a couple of years before on the show, it's a, it's sure. a wingman move that can also work for you. But if it's you and a bunch of buddies, and there's a group of girls, and they come walking by, uh, you stop the the one that you if if your buddy has identified a girl that he thinks is cute and he has you know the balls required to talk to a stranger but he has a hard time with the actual cold approach which i'll talk a little bit more about in a minute and real quick the, could this work could this work at a bar or a club to like the, i feel like the, the street interaction okay all right you don't have do to be it, like you know, street hunting <laughs> No, no, I do this regularly because I have a reputation at work as the guy who can do this. And every time there's a new guy and this conversation comes up, I live near a a nightlife neighborhood and we'll go over there. And like my wife knows that I like to show other people how to do this stuff and she doesn't have an issue with it. So I'll go with the new guy and people will hype it up and some of the guys who have already seen it come along. And one of the best moves you can do is let's say there's four of you sitting in sort of one of the high top tables at a sports bar or, you know, whatever sort of place it is. You don't want to go into the trashiest place in the world just because you're not going to see anything good there. And, you know, the, the targets are poor, but as a group of women comes walking by, let's say it's the cast of this show sitting at a table right now. And uh, let's, you know, say coach is single and there's a group of four women walking by (laughs) Um, and coach has said like, Hey, that one's pretty hot. When she walks by without telling coach, I'm going to do it. And after a while he gets to know me and he knows it's coming, but I'll just say, excuse me. 
as she's walking by. I'll wait for her to come by, preferably with the whole gaggle. And I'll say, hi, my name's Jay. And I'll shake her hand. And whether or not she gives me a name, that part's not important. She might be suspiciously looking about. She knows she's probably getting hit on. And I'll just say, have you met Coach? This is my good friend, Coach. Coach, this is... And then you just kind of give her the eyes and the soft point. Mm -hmm. And she'll give up her name. That is when I stand up and then I go to the shitty one. There's always the, you know, fat, (laughs) ugly, or obnoxious one who is going to try and jump in front of everything. And when the pretty one gives you or me her name, I get up and physically move to the gnarly one. And the onus is on me now to compliment her on something. The sort of thing that a woman would want to be complimented on. I normally go for the shoes or the hair. You, you got to look and like, make sure she doesn't yeah. have trash <laughs> shoes on. But if you think she likes her shoes, you start there. You exchange names with her. And you let your buddy go to work while you start engaging with the one who's going to be the problem and hopefully the rest of your buddies can start introducing themselves if there's more than two whatever the the biggest hurdle when you're talking to girls in real life for a lot of guys it's just the fear of rejection and the balls of walking up and doing it i was gonna Uh, say the biggest hurdle for talking to girls in real life is talking to girls in real life (laughs) but i did a thing when i was super young and it kind of set the stage for me for the rest of my life and uh, anyone can try this but it was we read it in one of those like lad mags it was like maxim magazine or one of those and they talked about doing the 30 for 30 and uh or no it was just called the 30 30 and it was go and talk to 30 women in 30 days and by the end of it, you'll have learned so much. And it gave you like some openers you can work with and talked about like places where women are going to be like uh, one that's sort of my original that I didn't get from anyone else is a dog park. Because even if you don't have a dog, you can go and chat women up about their dogs talking about that you're looking to get a dog. And Hope Rolo's taking notes here. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> and women love talking about their dogs. And but in that group situation, the hardest part for a lot of guys is just going in and doing it. But if you do it 30 times in 30 days, like I did as like a 14 year old, by the end of it, you've been rejected in every way you can imagine. And you're just over it now. Like, uh, I don't know if you've ever done telemarketing or door to door sales or anything where you have to talk to strangers, you get over it quick. And I know it sounds horrible and anxiety inducing to people who sort of don't have that knack or haven't done that thing. But as Don Draper uh, told Peggy, you would be surprised how fast it didn't happen. Like you start to get over it so quick. The first couple of days it burns and kind of part of the 30 for 30 was you make a deal with whatever buddies you're going in on this with that we're not going to roast each other over like there's enough insecurity going into this already that i don't need my buddies light me up and you know but a lot of women they're not single or they're not interested in you in the first five seconds they meet you which is sort of the most important part and that's okay they don't know anything about you not every woman on earth is going to like you and that's fine um but starting quick, the conversation, have, have you seen Jo? Have you seen any change uh, as you do these things in the current era? Maybe compared to when you were fourteen or whatever. Are women uh, 
the same as back then? Are they more hesitant, uptight because of all the rapists and male misogynists and programming? That's yes, out there? yes, more they are. Okay, no, they are absolutely <laughs> different, dude. It is even okay. po- post COVID. It's a different game. No, they're, they're different, and that's fine because the game is ever changing, right? Like, I remember back when the book The Game came out, and there was like a couple of TV shows about like pickup artist stuff. And, you know, I've always thought the term pussy nerd was pretty funny because uh, some of these guys spurred so much on like the averages and like number of women per hour you can talk to and right. like what lines have the highest percentage. And, you know, they really break it down. And I never got into that part of it because it just is less fun um but my new move that uh i've developed since covid because i'm i'm married so i'm not actually trying to talk to these women but when i'm trying to open up a set talk to a group of girls that uh you know like a lot of the time anymore too it's just demonstrating it for the other guys because they almost don't believe it or one co-worker says hey he does this thing you know some guy's talking about he's single he's trying to chat to girls and it's not going well he's like you need to go talk to jay because he's good at this stuff and then i'll start telling them how it works and they'll be like no way so then that night we'll go to one of the bars in this local little bar district or whatever and you know i'm not 10 out of 10 times gonna get anything moving but over the course of an hour like i'm i'm gonna get a conversation going with somebody and my newest one because the game has changed so like women know what a neg is and if you try and neg a woman in say the past 10 years they'll a lot of them will even say are you negging me right now and Mm -hmm. a neg was like a backhanded compliment it used to be a really good in like oh i like those shoes a lot i don't know that they go with that outfit but they're cute do they make them for women yeah oh (laughs) sorry (laughs) but it used to be, you know, working a negative or backhanded compliment and that kind of thing. I guess it used to work for some people, like depending where I was, it was a move that I would even use. But my newest one, because everything is in apps and is, uh, is into like, you know, uh, social dynamics as I, as I was. Um, Got to ask them for their OnlyFans subscription, like a free trial <laughs> sub, right? No. So that probably open- flatter them. <laughs> I open with my name, and, you know, hi, I'm, I'm Jay, and I'll immediately take the temperature and see if there's a bunch of cringe or whatever, and I'll say, I don't think this conversation is exactly what you think it's going to be. Listen, I'm talking to my buddy over here, and I'm a few years older than him. I'm married, uh, but they're talking. Before I was married, I used to love to just go talk to women in public and chat them up and that was kind of my thing and how i met women now everyone does it on the apps and i was talking to women at work and i'll tell them sort of what i do for a living or where i work and they all say that everything's on the app and that it's actually super strange for someone to come and approach a woman anymore is that the case for you and they'll kind of stop and and yeah. then, then you work in the compliment. So you sit here looking like this in this bar full of men, and no one's going to have the balls to come talk to you, but they would swipe on you on Tinder. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's now a, I've a, got the whole thing in. And then on I'll the back foot a little my, bit. Get I'll thinking. Work, yeah. I'll work my favorite opener, which then has context. And the lack of context of my favorite opener is kind of what made it best, which is I kind of give an almost suspicious 
but but happy looked like a suspicious smile. And my favorite opener was always, look at you. Yeah, I remember that one. Because it doesn't oh, mean anything. Yep. They, they, they don't know if it means a good thing or a bad thing, but you're smiling. And right. then they'll either get on the front foot of like, what's that supposed to mean? Then, uh-huh. then you just disarm them with a compliment. Or they kind of give you an inquisitive, suspicious look back. And again, you hit them with a compliment. Either way, like no matter what the res- response is, unless it's like I have a boyfriend or get away from me or you're ugly, whatever, like then you just bail out and walk away and wait for the next opportunity. But the look at you after setting the context works. Like instead of saying like, so you sit here looking like this and no one in here is going to talk at you. I'll just do it. Look at you. And I, I'll, uh, let, I I'll let it sit until they respond. And I'll be like, like, in, in 2010, there's no way you could sit here with your girls and no one would come and talk to you. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't understand anything anymore. I, I guess I got old or something. And then just they, one of them will say something. And now the conversation has started. And then I moved to the first move that I talked about. Oh, have, have you met coach? This is my good friend coach. He's a good dude. And you know, he's a few years younger than me, and I don't know that just walking up and talking to women in bars is something kids do anymore. But, and then I just go into whatever the topic of conversation is going to be, you know, whatever's of the day, whatever works. Talk about her, like give her an opportunity to talk about herself. That's what women want to do. That's when you go to the shoes, you go to the bag, you go to what are you drinking. I don't like to go to what are you drinking because that's normally the next step is to buy them a drink, and I'm not. I, I think that's kind of a cuck move, bitch move that doesn't work to do or too early on. Pretty cliche too. Yeah. Coach, I wanted yeah. to make a couple of observations on what J.O. is saying. Sure. <clears throat> and it's good because that'll give time Rolo to uh, book the flights for J.O. out to visit him in you know, <laughs> a few months. <laughs> I see him there. He's on kayak right now. Go ahead, Sam. Well, one thing to keep in mind is you know, any, anytime you, you work at something, repeat something, you get better at it eventually. You know, some guys like J.O. are very natural and and good at the thing. Some people maybe are not as good at it at at first, but if you work at anything, you will get better at it. So um, what he said there about get over being rejected and all that, that goes away pretty quick. Uh, it's just like a salesman, you know, you know, most people are, will decline your offer anyway. So you're expecting that that's okay. You want to get through the nose. So you get to the yes. Um, but the other sure. thing that I, the other thing I pick up on <clears throat> what Jo is saying, you know, you, you have to actually like women and like people yeah. to succeed at this. And I remember <clears throat> we had this fellow on the show, Arian Stallion will remember. And he, you know, he, <laughs> he, he wrote, was, well, that bu- was that before I was on the show? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he, you know, he, he wrote and said some bad stuff about us. Like he called us feminists, you know, because we care what our yeah. wives think and stuff like that. But the thing is, we actually do. We, we like and we love our wives and we like women actually, too. Uh, so so that's why we don't have problems getting to know women or being able to talk to women or being able to open a conversation uh, with a woman, even for the sake of a friend, like Jay was describing here. But um, so, yeah, I, I don't think we're feminists, but we, we do like women and we do love our wives and we do love women. So that's uh, something I think to uh, keep in mind. Well, let me, let me expound on that just a little bit. 
because I've had this conversation a million times since I've been married because I work in a professional environment with professional women. A lot of them are, you know, career women, I guess some people would call them. But when I tell them that, like, I am a man in a traditional household and my wife and I, you know, like traditional gender roles and that's how our marriage works, if they kind of cringe at that or when a man says that that's what he likes or, like, you know, when Andrew Tate was a big deal and those conversations are happening, I like to ask women, what do you think I mean by traditional gender roles because nobody has ever meant that like i want my woman to be like a zombie who lives half in fear of me and like you know uh startles when i enter a room and her life is centered around like doing my chores and cooking my dinner and like being talked down to or something like i think that a lot of women have this very sort of like cartoonish christian patriarchy idea right. in their head of what traditional gender roles means mm -hmm. and at least for me and everyone i know that's not what it is at all and that even goes for right. like the most sort of i mean kind of small the conservative christian white nationalist men that i know like nobody has their woman is like this Channel. It doesn't look like <laughs> yeah it doesn't look like islam like in the middle east or anything like that's not what I'm referring to. And no. the, the and like with the moves I was just describing, when it's goblin bravery, which is to say that like I don't have to be the one that steps up. I just have to be the only one who doesn't run away. And just the act nowadays of being a of being willing to go approach a woman is enough of a display of masculinity to pique their interest oh, yeah. because it doesn't happen yeah. anymore. Like, right. Low expectations so in our favor. Pussies now. Like it used to be, at least in my sort of social circles, the vast majority of dudes I ever hung out with were willing to walk up and talk to women. Now there's not there's the unwillingness because a lot of people are afraid of rejection and that's completely understandable. But because everything's on the app, like I'll even work into the pitch like, hey, even if this conversation doesn't go anywhere, at least you have a story for your friends tomorrow. When's the last time a guy came and chatted you up at a bar? Yeah. You know, the thought occurs real quick. We've got so many active clubs proliferating around the country. We've got legacy existing groups. We've got groups that maybe have been drifting for a couple of years, but we all know that when we guys get together for a hike or whatever, we'll generally go out and have some drinks and maybe sit all together in a bar or a restaurant and just be focused on ourselves, especially new guys are so excited to be talking to other like-minded men, but instead take, yeah, after you've done your, uh, your workouts and your boxing and your lifting or whatever, it was uh go out to a bar and uh one of you know i'm sure there's a married man or two in your group and take some of jo's wingman approach and make that one of your objectives for your active club or your meetup or whatever go out there and help some of your single guys coach them a little bit and uh see, see if you can go be a, 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 a literal force multiplier for our race and strike up some conversations with women and uh have fun with it what did they call it back in the day we we're going out host host smashing i forget uh but yeah don't be like that i watched uh, <laughs> you know with my ass on the couch for at least three or four days being totally immobile train spotting was one of the movies 
that I chose to revisit. Passion of the Christ, Train Spotting, a couple others. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari was great. Regardless, Train Spotting, you and McGregor's like, man, I haven't gotten laid in a long time. So he like goes out by himself to a club. He looks like crap. He's strung out on heroin, strikes out, strikes out, strikes out, strikes out. And then eventually he finds a woman who's like clearly in a fight with her date and just goes and she's desperate and that works too. So <laughs> don't forget to, to hunt for the, for the prey too. We got to move on quickly, but go ahead, Jay, if you want to, any other, you know, last thoughts on this one. Yep. Even if you're not trying to be like a slump buster and just go like bag something, you actually right. come with a different ener energy. If you are sort of wife shopping, looking for something more serious, if you aren't carrying the energy of a guy who's just out to get tail, you're actually right. going to do better in the conversation. And when you talk about what sort of women you'll run into in these places, you know, I've talked about smoothie shops and, you know, ice cream places, dog parks, whatever. Also at a bar, sure. You're going to run into a lot of like bar fly and trashy chicks. But I believe that just about anyone listening to this knows within, I don't know, 30 to 90 seconds of observing a woman. If she's trashy, because some women do just go to the bar and have a drink. And sometimes they're with their trashier friends, but that's not the one you go for, right? Like if there's the sure. inked up girl who's like pounding shots and having, you know, <laughs> five drinks while the other girl's sipping on a glass of wine and just appears more normal, then yeah, maybe you the open the conversation with the wild girl because she's the one that she's the cock blocker. Right. So somebody has to chat that girl up while you talk to the nice one. And it's just sort of like, uh, you know, it's sort of like trading who you are defending in a basketball game. Like, okay, I'm going to go up and talk to this one. So you can talk to that one, or I'm going to start talking to this one and then introduce her to you and I'll take on the problem. one. Uh, you might have to strategize a little bit and just don't be afraid to strike out. Like I'm very good at this. I'm very, very good at this. And I'm probably not as sharp as I once was because I'm married and I don't do it all the time, but because of the whole workplace stuff, I do do it with some frequency and you can get good at this. And even the people who are <clears throat> best at it, like there are pros on social media who post field work videos of them out talking to women and, Depending where they're at and what the situation is, a lot of them don't do well. But if over the course of a night you can get one conversation that turns into a phone number or DMs, that's that's good. Yep. Getting, getting one is good, and there are nights you'll get zero. There are nights you'll get more than one. A lot of the time you'll only get one because then you're talking to her for the next hour. And then you want to get out before she does. It's kind of the power move. Like, Hey, we're chatting. We've exchanged DM information. Well, Hey, I, uh, I got a lot going on tomorrow. I really wish I could stay and talk to you. So I'm going to shoot you a message, but I got to get out of here. You have a great night because there's no point in like, if you hit it off with a girl, then trying to go hit up another girl in that same place. <laughs> like if, getting greedy. Yeah, if, yeah. If you want to do that kind of thing, there are ways to do it, but that's sort of the advanced class or whatever. And that's a conversation I, for a different time. And I will vouch for J.O. I don't remember if I've ever seen you play wingman actively, but you know, you're like tall, dark, you're not a movie star, but you're handsome. And I definitely remember you being able to sort of walk into a room and chat with women. Um, just all, you know, well, almost at will, just like a normal friendly person. I want I want to go to roll. You, yeah. You got it, Sam. And then I want to get Rolo for a quick rebuttal. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just yeah. wanted to quickly say, I remember uh, I knew somebody, they had a book on their bookshelf and it was how to flirt. And so I took it off. I said, I want to read this or at least look at it. And 
in there, the author was saying, you know, flirting is not necessarily always with the end in mind of you want to date this person or you want to whatever, have some kind of get lucky with this person. That flirting is kind of just like a social thing that happens with people and it could be advantageous to do it, you know, and you, and you might choose to flirt with a woman who's not even, you know, maybe she's an older woman, right? Or some other situation. So it's, it's a good skill to cultivate. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I was about to say is you really shouldn't be approaching women with the intent of like, I'm going to bed this woman. Um, because that totally changes how you interact with them. It makes it completely unnatural and they know when that's, what you're trying to do if you are like i'm going to go talk to this girl because she's cute and i like her and whatever happens from there happens and you just follow the natural progression like yeah of course everybody wants to get laid or they're trying to find a wife or whatever whatever it is your goal should essentially just be i want to discover i want to build a relationship with this person and discover who they are in order to achieve other goals but you have to know if this person is even compatible with those goals and you can't mm -hmm. figure that out in an hour, in an hour. I mean, if they're really bad, of course you can, but sure. Generally speaking, and you can juggle, you can pipeline, you can be talking to five different women at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it makes you look and, like and a higher of, sexual market value. Yeah. And, and you don't, well, they don't even like have to know, they don't even have to know. have to know about it. But yeah, if right. you're, and it's if, until if you until stopping, you commit to one of right until you commit to one person like then that's just what it is because they're going to be doing the same thing and I'm not saying that like they're bad for it that's just what people do people talk to people until they commit to somebody and whether one it's out that I don't dating want to give or guys, marriage or whatever one out that I don't want to give guys is I'll frequently have people say oh well you're tall and now that's like a thing. But the whole, like, you must be six feet sort of thing, that came in, like, the last five, ten years. Like, I was making hay in this sort of field long before the, the almost meme tier focus on height was a thing. And I'm sure it had a subconscious thing to do with it. But I'll tell you what, the guy who taught me the, hey, did you meet Coach? That guy. He was short, overweight, and had the worst teeth I've ever seen in the first world. And that guy was a closer, right? <laughs> like, your game can outwork your appearance. They're, uh, no, they're, you, the, you can outgame your physical situation. Now, I will say, too, and I'd like to do this almost as a separate topic if there's time for it. Get in shape. I recently was drinking too much, got out of shape, and got back. I, quit drinking by quitting drinking it's i i went from drinking way too much just about every freaking day just to get to sleep to just not drinking and going to the gym instead it was a decision there was no rock bottom moment so go ahead and get in shape all of that helps but learning how to talk to people matters as a man way more than your appearance Roll, I want to go to you real quick for any ground truthing this from the foxholes of the dating scene right now. Does it sound right, or you want to push back on anything? I'll push back on uh, plenty. How much time do we have? Uh, I don't know. Keep it within a Putin history lesson uh, time frame. <laughs> 30 seconds to one minute. Go on for 30 minutes. Go ahead. Have at it, buddy. 
Seriously. Okay. Uh, so it, it does. This all does work at a bar, but that pretty much only works at a bar. The the cold approach will work at a bar because girls generally go there with that intention. That's almost never going to work in public. Like, yeah, that's the the world has changed in the last five years, and if you haven't been actively dating in it, you do not know what you're talking about, and especially if you are known as a guy who is married, you're automatically non-threatening. Girls watch The Office and serial killer documentaries all night. That <laughs> fills their heads. I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. And no, there, there is a, a cycle. I can that. Yeah, and then, and there, there is a, a cycle that young women go through because men, when when they're single for a long time or in a dry spell, eventually we just learn to deal with it. It's like, well, yeah, I got other things I need to do in my life that happens. Women aren't the same. Like women, they'll go on the app and then they'll get 500 matches within like 30 seconds of getting it. Then they'll freak out and then they'll delete it. But then they don't want people approaching them in public because everyone's trying to kill them and rape them in that order. And then they uh, will just say, screw it. I'm going to the bar. And then they'll just take a random guy home and, and plow him. That, I mean, that, well, that's the cycle that they go on. An, so, I, thing, and I, and I say this, hold on, hold on. I, I, I'm on a time limit and I'll pass it back to you. And I ahead, say Vlad. this and I, and I was, I was never willing to admit this, but as a guy who has taken well over a hundred women to bed, it is, it is not hard to take a, a woman to bed. Like, especially a lot of the, a lot of the guys in this thing, they are not really looking to get laid. They're looking for a quality woman that they can start a family with. And a lot of men are unwilling to do that with vapid whores. Now, those vapid whores that you wouldn't start a family with, yeah, it's, I think it's perfectly fine to chat people up and never turn off the flirting. Just never turn it off. Any chance you can to chat someone up, always do it. But the best way, if you want to meet a quality woman, and I, I've said this before on this show, and I stand by it, is through someone you know, because yep. they're you're already vetted, they're they're vouching for you, and their guard is going to be down because they're going to be expecting. Okay, so this is someone that someone I trust trusts. But any anything else, uh, all bets are off. And it used to be really easy to talk to people. Now like, they can't run for the authorities quick enough. Well, and but let's smash her. Let's smash her. Get in there, Jo, real quick. Yep. And that's but that's another thing, uh, Rolo, that you said at the beginning is like guys want to flirt. Uh, it be this becomes a thing that people hyper hyper focus on, um, where they're like, I have to get a woman. I want to get a woman. I want uh, you know. I want to do it for the right reasons and whatever. And you lose track of yourself and then you approach women in places where it's like just not appropriate. You know, you're on an elevator uh, somewhere at a hotel or it's the implication on a or, or like wherever, <laughs> wherever you <laughs> are, that is that is not a social necessarily a social situation. Right. Like bars, uh, clubs, uh, festivals, dark, al dark alleyways like is a good one. Yep. Dark alleyways, right? It's um, 
you know, those those are social areas where people expect engagement. Uh, but if you go to the library um, and you just try to cold approach and it's not, you don't, you know, you don't know what that girl's doing there, except you know that it's a library, you know, um, she could be balls deep in some serious research and she doesn't want to be interrupted or whatever. And like, if you go up and you try to flirt with her, like you just look like an asshole um, or it's you and her uh, stuck together on a train car. And now you're a, the weird guy on the train trying to flirt with this girl. <laughs> well, there's, that, there's, a, the, there's a huge yeah. lack of self-awareness with this stuff. And so it, it comes and it's not that you can't approach women in these situations. It's that you have to understand what the situation is and cater your approach to that, make it appropriate so that you're not creepy or weird or out of line or approaching them in a situation where they don't want to be approached in. Um, that's a, that's a huge part of it. And that even still applies to bars and clubs and stuff too. Like if you're at a bar that has like uh, just some dumb random noise music on and nobody's dancing and you go up and start dancing with a girl, you're going to look like a weird creep uh, versus at a club where it's expected that you're going to be out there dancing but even then at a club, like you could be creepy if you go up and you just start dancing with a girl without at least exchanging some form of like, let's dance. Right. And people don't think about that. So like, I agree that you should keep your flirting turned on all the time. Flirting is fun. It's great. Um, and it's advantageous to flirt even without any sort of intent, right? Like you could be flirting with the 60 uh, year old lady at, some store and okay, now you just got a 10% discount or something like that. Right. Or somebody just says something nice and you feel good. It could be that simple. Um, but you always have to cater your flirting to the person, to the situation, to the entire context. Like it's not this, you know, easy. It's not, it's not a spreadsheet where you can just, right. I just, you know, I come across to like public and then I go down and then at the cross section, this is my opener. Like it's not something that you can do like that. Jo, real quick, and then we got to move on. If anything that Rolo said, you want to respond to? Yeah. Well, so not being weird and creepy in a situation where you would be perceived as weird and creepy, I would think almost goes without saying. And like you could say that women are super on their guard because they love their serial killer documentaries, and a lot of that's true. But I also don't want to throw this off with. The fact that I disarm all of these women that I'm talking to by telling them that I'm married, like I have used that as part of it to soften it for being the wingman. But when I am exhibiting like the move as though I was trying to talk to a girl, I'm telling you, if you want to take me to a city block where there's a bunch of like restaurants with patios and you want to go at 2 p.m., not during the time that people are drinking, etc. If you just take me to a target-rich environment, like, I know enough moves, and you learn this by doing this sort of 30 for 30 thing, and you learn it by, uh, by, by uh, uh, failing and trial and error. That's the term I want. You learn it by trial and error, but then you start to get, like, sort of your high percentage 
approaches. And I'm telling you that just the just the line about nobody approaches in real life anymore and word it whatever way suits your personality and like sort of the feeling you're getting off of them. I have a feeling that if I if somebody famous got their hands on that move and talked about it, it'd be dead in three months because every woman would have heard it so many times that it doesn't work anymore. That's how high percentage that as your opener is you go from from the off guard to the in, you know to the name introduction and then just go into that as a topic because it's an, it's also an actually interesting topic like it's not like I, I don't know people who used to do game used to try and open with like bonkers stuff like that was big attention getting but just talking about something that's actually interesting how evil too. are these Israelis? Yeah. How about those yeah. poor Palestinians? Yeah. You say that you say that as a you say that it's a joke, but like dudes, it's not really. Know, dudes, yeah. Yeah, dudes will just walk up and be like, So how do you feel about race relations in America? And it's like, why are you saying that to a cute girl? Like, Shut yeah. up, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could probably get more progress out of Israel. All right, we got it. We got to move on. I did, well, holy moly, fifty minutes on dating. Well, hey, I don't want the single guys to say we didn't try to share some bro knowledge and wisdom out there. But I think, if nothing else, and if yeah, you want, it helps have want, helps have a good wig, man. If you want more out of me, or if you have questions, or if you think you're part way there but you need some help, email the show, and I will personally get back to you. If there's hundreds, it might be a problem, but especially if we've ever met. Or if you know me, Probably or you know who I am, or if we've ever communicated on chats before, I'll bump you to the front of the line. But I'll walk guys through this. I have time to do it, and I want the best for everybody. So, if again, if you don't believe me, I have a million witnesses. And if you and I ever have proximity, I'll show you how it works. Amen. And a quick white pill before we pivot to Smasher here and a little more human content. Uh, if you recall our feds meeting feds, full house love connection from last week, boom, somebody stepped up. Great guy, handsome, well-known and trusted. And I don't know. The connection has been made. I don't know if they have uh, plans to meet somewhere. <laughs> who knows? Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, Smasher doesn't know who it is. Don't listen to him, anybody. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> hope. Yeah, I'm just, he, just doing yeah. my bit. Uh, I made I made the connection. <laughs> oh, was, Smasher, on on that note, real quick, as I was getting like wheelchaired out of the hospital because you know they just burn and churn these days. There's no staying overnight for a knee surgery. I'm a little bit loopy, like I remember it all. And in this beautiful hospital, like spotless people were friendly efficient it was 90 percent white i had a black lady who was you know doing the wheelchair service to push me out to the uh, curb and i'm you know i'm like groggy and everything's wearing off and i i said to her i said i asked the surgeon to give me a few more inches but you know he had the tools out but he did something like cracking jokes with the black lady pushing the wheelchair <laughs> and my wife is just like dying there like please don't mind him and she just sort of rolled her eyes like i'm sure people are loopy all the time i was trying to crack jokes all the time i, I guess a good dad joke isn't too much of a good intro at a bar get a cringe more than anything but anyway smasher i wanted to go over to you and uh what as you as we all know uh the movie 
movement, the cause uh, probably burns and churns just as fast as a hospital these days. Guys who come in full piss and vinegar and then ghost or say, oh, no, no, thanks. Or they get some spat. Uh, you have been a soldier for, you know, probably the past decade at least. And and Sam, yeah, yeah J.O.'s like 95% retired. <laughs> I'm a West Virginia shut in. Sam is the most active one of all of us. Uh, but serious, <laughs> you know, serious question. Are you are you relieved and happier to be out more or less for now? Are you like wishing, you know, you were still back in the daily grind or how is life sort of stepping back uh, from, from the movement for lack of a better term? I mean, I, I haven't like gone anywhere, you know, I didn't disappear or anything like that. You know, I'm still active in chats and, you know, BSing. You don't love black people now. No, <laughs> that's that was like J-O, J.O.'s move was, yeah, totally pivot. Go ahead. Buddy. That's well, that's J.O.'s secret to game is that he just picks up black chicks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and anyways, yeah. Um, you know, it, I guess, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel that different because I haven't really gone anywhere. I'm still on social media, like doing whatever. Uh, You're podcasting again now. This counts. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. It does count. Um, the only part I'm just, I'm just not involved I'm with, you know, uh, like I'm just not involved with an organization. So it's more or sure. less the same way that it was between 2015 and 2020. Right. Go you ahead. Know, I'm, kinda, I'm in that same spot. The part that sucks most about leaving is, when so if if you aren't available to everyone or whatever one is like if people believe you actually did something wrong that you didn't do like that kind of sucks because it's like hey i really liked that guy and i value his opinion and i don't want him to think that like i did something scuzzy that part kind of hurts but i'll tell you the part that was the worst and it's when i had to really start putting my foot down on people leaving me alone about stuff is people if you used to help, people think you still can, and you can't. You don't have the resources and the contacts and stuff. You can't make the phone calls. Like, we had a thing right before Christmas of a guy looking for a job. And there was a time, I don't know, five years ago, where I didn't care where in the lower 48 you were. I could get money in your pocket to get you through the next week or two, and I could get you a job in 24 to 48 hours and it was really frustrating to not have that ability anymore to not be able to contribute in the ways that you contributed that were good um now just to push sucks you sort of self-imposed ghosted but i mean just in the past month with our sort of small unofficial network we've seen uh auto help tax help uh you remember uh alex uh well I, i won't yeah I'll just say that Alex Ramos, you know, we did our little charity bit at the top of the second half last week and may have made a connection that will help him significantly materially in his life. And I'll just leave it at that. So, you know, even if you like step away, I think when you totally go delete everything, you know, all of your like secret messaging apps, et cetera, and just go back to normal life. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But there is also the option to just be like, all right, yeah, I'm still here. You can still reach me. And 
you know, of course the temptation to like just delete everything and like just focus on your family is there. And a lot of guys go that route. Um, but I've just seen too much evidence, particularly recently of goodwill and people who are dying to do things, to offer their personal uh, expertise or to ask for help, whether it's money, whether it's a job, whether it's like super specific advice. Um, so there's still uh, just a wealth of expertise and, and availability to help yourself or help others in this thing. I think that goes without saying, but um, on that note, I want to pivot. We're getting close to the top of the second hour, I guess. And I had a rare conversation. I hinted at this at the end of last week's show where I was confronted IRL with a question from a loved one that kind of caught me off guard. I hadn't got it in a while because I'm not a fire breathing WN Nat Sock anymore. I sort of go about my life as a more or less normal person. And if these conversations come up, you know, obviously I'll engage in them or I'll drop subtle hints or whatever. But more or less in a captive conversation in the car where I wasn't expecting it, I got out of left field. So what's with the Nazi thing? Are you a Nazi? Not hostile, but not friendly. Caught me totally off guard. And then I realized, ooh, you know, th this is a fun one. Are you, are <laughs> you, you, ju you just now figuring that out? Like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, she, she knew me like for many years before and many years after, but we hadn't been face to face for a while. And we just happened to be, uh, you know, on the ride to the airport. And I said, well, and I knew a little bit about her background too, kind of knows the score, kind of not, semi normie, semi not. And I said, well, first off, you can call me a Nazi. That's fine. That doesn't bother me, but I call myself a white nationalist. And of course, the reason for that is white people all around the world in all traditionally, historically white countries are under deliberate assault by primarily mass immigration of non-whites and, and all the rest of it. I'm not going to give a big sermon here and every little detail I went into, but I I didn't cuck on the Nazi question, but I didn't exactly like slam my chest and throw up a Roman and give a lesson on Hitler because I knew my audience. I said, and then, and then I, I made it a two-way street. I said, do you, do you agree with my assessment of whites being under assault in all these countries and all the, the litany of things? She said, yes. I said, okay. Uh, you do understand that the left, the hardcore left, and even like right-wing conservatives, et cetera, will call anyone who deviates from their preferred narrative, a Nazi. You've seen that, right? Like, I mean, they'll call like almost anybody a Nazi if they like deviate too far. She said, yeah, that's true. I said, okay. And you know about Jewish power in the world too, and how net net it is largely a negative for our cultures from pornography to garbage film to uh, promotion of affirmative action, all the rest of it. She said, yeah, I know that stuff. I said, okay, who were the last organized group who was which was the last organized group on earth to really take the fight to the source of all that problems and to almost overnight take their country from bankrupt degenerate on its knees paying reparations no army etc and turn that around overnight who who do you think that was of course she knew the answer i said okay so maybe you can understand, <laughs> Sam said the NJP. <laughs> Sorry, I had to share that one. Uh, no offense. Uh, I said, so you do understand why there is an appeal to that. We are not, you, you know me, I've never been arrested, let alone you know convicted of a crime. You know I'm not like looking to go around, throw people in gas chambers. Smasher calls me a cuck for that. Um, but there's a reason why we hold them in high esteem. And you know very well how much the media lies about things and how much history today is about Native Americans and blacks and all that stuff. So they have been lied about too. Of course, history is written by the victors. So I, in 
five or six years ago, I would have gone on a probably one-sided diatribe about the virtues of Adolf Hitler and the merits of national socialism. You got to call it at least an ethos. Uh, this time around, I made I was calmer. I didn't cuck on the Nazi question, but I didn't go hardcore on that. And I just sort of took her on a discourse of why I think the way I do. And it's easier than ever because five, 10 years ago, people were way more blue pilled than they are now on everything from race to immigration to the JQ. What you can um, get away well, with with normies now is wild compared to yeah. what it was five <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I regularly and, tell people at work, like, yeah, I'm a white nationalist. Why? And then most of the of time, most of the time, everybody that I've mentioned it to has just been like, yeah, I know. Or I figured. <laughs> yeah. And, and they just what, I don't, don't care and yeah. they agree with you. Yeah. And many, many people have pressured me to be like, no, you have to say you're a national socialism. That is a higher objective than white nationalism. I said, okay, that's fine. But white nationalism sounds better to my ears. And I guarantee you it sounds better to the ears of people who are curious. They're interested. They're asking questions. Oh, obviously, some of them are hostile, but yeah. As a national socialist, it sounds LARPy to say that when you're talking to people that aren't like at our level intellectually. Yeah. And I don't mean that they're like stupid. I just mean they're not in the same intellectual spheres that we're in. So you say that and it just sounds LARPy. And oh, we're, 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 we're like literally not part of something called net the national socialist party or something. So like in, <laughs> right. that, that is our philosophy. That is what we believe in. But in a, in a certain sense, we cannot say we are national socialists. So I, I agree with what you said, Coach. It's good to say white nationalism. When I say that to people, they nod their head. Yeah, that's like, yeah, me too. You know, they want to agree with you. But uh, I was talking to somebody recently, and we were talking about how, you know, kind of like uh, the 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 immigrant labor is brought in to, to uh, so that the rich people can get rich and pay these low wages and stuff. And at the end of it, I said, you know, so like we, we, we need like, so kind of like socialism, but we also need like nationalism. So it's kind of like social nationalism. And, <laughs> and then yeah. he said it back to me the other way. He said, Oh, like national socialism. I said, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I didn't want to yeah. go straight to that, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know who who know I don't I you know I didn't get a chance to follow up. It was you know we, we moved on to other discussions. I get you know the the main point though is it just to be calm, make it a discourse. You know, ask questions, yeah, take, ask it, questions. take it, take yeah. it, take it easy. The the noticing you know is more than ever. The polls are more in our favor than ever, and Dude, life is short too. <laughs> you can you can almost be anti-Semitic and be more publicly accepted at this point than you can be a racist. Yeah, if all I if I knew that all I had to do all along to say whatever I want about Jews and get away with it was dye my hair blue and like listen <laughs> to crappy music because on university yeah. campuses all over America they're allowed to like yeah. say the same shit that my buddy with the tiki torch said 5 6 years ago. That's but right. They're getting yeah. away with it now. But I, I right think for the that those reasons. conversations, you know, and this actually goes back to the talking about women, it's sort of a know your audience. And once you've had the conversation X amount of times, you learn what you can and cannot say to people. Like Trigger when words. people, yeah. Yep. yeah, when people want to ask you if you're a Nazi or whatever, the thing that they think Nazi means, I am not. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, like the things that you think they are guilty of, 
like I can't tell you the number of times I've heard people like bring up some sort of, you know, ghoulish Holocaust myth about like, oh, you know, the Nazis used to do this to people or do that to people. Yeah. And I'll just say, do you really think that happened? Or do you right. think that, you know, history's kind of written by the winners? Like, I don't need to go into a whole thing because, like, the thing that makes <laughs> yeah. Nazis bad, when you say the word Nazi and you mean it as a pejorative, you're a normie and you mean it as a pejorative, the things that you think they believe or that they did are not the things that I think and did. And it's not the things that they think and did, right? Like, they didn't right. believe and do the things that you find so reprehensible that would make you use that word as a pejorative. Now... I'm not going to have the long or short version of that whole conversation with somebody just kind of on a whim. Like if it's someone who's tangentially involved in my life, who, you know, they know me from Adam. Now there's a conversation that can be had when it's sort of like, if it was someone who was more like stranger ish, then I would just say no. And then, like, wait for the opportunity to have the version of the conversation I want to have. But I'm also not going to let anyone put me on the back foot. I'm not defending myself when I'm right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Confident. Cool. Make it a two-way street. Do all the noticing. Uh, we got to go to the break, Sam. Did you have something yeah. real quick before we... Uh, I was just going to say, you know, J.O. and I were talking uh, at a... Uh, yesterday, but I was saying, I look at it like the Jenga blocks, you know, my, my job in a conversation like what you had, I'm going to take out the couple of key blocks at the bottom. So now that the person, they, they have all these questions in their mind and they are going to take out the next block that makes the whole thing go over. So have confidence in our message. All you, all that our message is powerful. All we have to do is sow a few seeds of doubt to the person you're talking to. And that big tower of Jenga blocks is coming down. Amen. You know, some oh. of my favorite ones on that are, and this will be brief, but when talking about like native American Indians, um, you know, we talk, we always hear about how the white man wiped out the Buffalo herd. You know why the Buffalo herd was that big? Because the Sioux in the North and the Comanches and Apache, Apache in the South genocided everyone in the part of the country that was going, that had traditionally <laughs> hunted those Buffalo. When Columbus talks about the Taino Indians bearing spears, but being the most peaceful people on earth, you know why they were so peaceful? A couple generations before that, they suggest they successfully genocided their enemies and no longer had need for war. Like these were not peaceful people. And I know it was me. That, that's those like <laughs> that's those like base Jenga blocks where then like every argument they could have had otherwise, especially if you're well read on this stuff. Yep. Um, There's a great book it, called Myth of the Peaceful Savage or Myth of the Noble Savage, I believe, oh, yeah. that go, go, oh, goes through and documents the extensive genocides that were conducted in the Americas long before uh, the men from Atlantis returned. <clears throat> yeah. Um, all right. We, yeah, we, we got to go to the break. Thank you, gents. Thank you, audience, for bearing with us. That was a long first half. We got, we got lots more in the second half, so I hope none of our uh, guests tonight go wobbly. Uh, for the break, we are going with Send Me an Angel, but 
but I'm in a conundrum. Of course, that's for our single guys out there. Uh, but the original song by Real Life in the 80s was awesome. Paul Oakenfold did an awesome version, and so did Gunship did a original version. Original. I, mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to listen to all of them like 10 times after the show, Rolo, and then I'll let you know what my decision is. But yeah, the original is pretty damn good. Uh, and it's basically synthwave as it is. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back. All five of us, I hope. Stay where you are. Fire! 
back to Full House episode 178. Send me an angel. Please send these guys some angels or better yet, go out and find yourself an angel. She didn't have to be an angel, just uh, more angel than devil. And uh, another lyric I had to throw in there. Sorry for the snoop at the top of the first, but uh, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And I would uh, I wouldn't kill, but I would do some bad things to be able to just just go for a walk in the woods right now. Normally without this uh, mangled appendage piece of meat hanging off my leg haha <clears throat> so uh, seriously you, you know how it goes this is standard stuff you know like life is great and then you get a surgery and you're in the hospital and you're like this sucks man i sure wish i had it like back the way it was two or three days ago or whatever it was so uh, if you have no major medical maladies and i'm certainly not crying into my beer here about my poor little healing up uh, acl that they ripped my hamstring out of my leg for i made the mistake of going and watching one of those surgeries oh it was horrible it's like they're yanking licorice out the back of some guy's leg is like that's why it hurts so bad anyway i'll shut up there but you know what i mean if you got good health appreciate it if you don't have it get back to it because that is in many cases nine tenths of the battle uh we're going to stay consistent from last week and we're on a pretty good roll here there's two shows in about two weeks i'm going to try to keep at it and uh, charity call for none other than the big brit himself david irving now he is of course famous i don't know if he's still wealthy uh but he recently i believe moved back to britain he was living in Florida for a while and sent out an email. They're getting more active. Apparently he is seriously ill. Now I'm not asking you to go and support David Irving's medical care. Although if you want to, you certainly could do, they put out the appeal for that. Uh, I think a more reasonable or a middle ground would be to buy one or more of his outstanding historical books from Hitler's war to an excellent series on Churchill biographies on all of the major third Reich leaders. It's an amazing uh, library. It's available at irvingbooks.com. I think the, the least you should do is go pick one and send one to a political prisoner, which you can find by the way, at justiceinitiative.com. I believe I put it in the show, show notes last week, find somebody you can sympathize with and send them a book. You help them out. You help David Irving out. You help yourself out too. And I will say, say that I did get to meet David Irving in person at a private dinner in Washington years ago, and he was charming. He had uh, 100% of his wits about him, and he just sat there with no preparation, and oftentimes that's a sign of like arrogance or being conceited. You know, I don't need to prep, uh, but he just delivered maybe over two hours of just compelling tales of his life of letters and history, real history, as he coined it. I'll stop there and move on to one more. It's not exactly charity, but it's kind of political activism, I guess. If you haven't seen, there is a Charlottesville veteran who ran for city council, city commissioner or something in Oklahoma, uh, Enid, Oklahoma, named Judd Blevins. And he won that election. He has since been serving honorably on the uh, council. I did not know him in Charlottesville. Didn't meet him that day, but he looked like a great stand-up guy. He's been a very reasonable uh, elected man of office. And on, on schedule, as predicted, the left in this overwhelmingly pro-right, white, red, uh, you know, MAGA red uh town, the few scattered cat ladies and degenerates and perverts and fake priests organized a recall election for him. And they got some milk toast, middle of the road, not terrible lefty, somebody who could probably steal the office from him to make an example of him. I say that all because if you have some extra scratch 
I think it would be cool to throw him some money as he gets ready to run for that recall election. I'll put the link in the show notes. It's like Judd Blevins for Enid or something like that. And uh, yeah. And if you, Oh, if it's $50 or less, um, there's no regulation that the name or profession has to be recorded. If you really want to be ballsy and give more than that, then just know that it will become part of the record. So consider doing that. Uh, New White Life, Smasher J.O. Anybody, you know, any, any of our guys you heard getting pregnant or having one? I just got one this week, but open it up to you guys first. Nothing. No, Frick. I don't. Nothing. nothing. Uh, shame. <laughs> shame on you and the audience. All right. Well, I'll just go then to our pal Tunes. I think he donated uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, Tunes just let it drop the other day. He goes, you know, my wife has been pregnant every calendar year for the last four years. So um, initially I thought, oh, man, she was having back, you know, Irish quadruplets or back to back to back to back. And I reached out. I said, is that really so? I didn't think you had that many kids or that many on the way. He's like, well, there's a little bit of chicanery and trickery involved there, Coach, is just how it worked out. I think he has one and another one on the way. Uh, maybe two. Sorry if I got the math wrong, et cetera. But whatever. That is still cool, uh, Tunes. Congratulations yeah, to you and the lady. Yeah, double that, you know. Pregnancy every year for the next four years as well. Eight straight years. Uh, make it happen. <laughs> uh, all right. We mentioned feds meeting feds. So I missed this awesome listener email from a couple weeks ago. I already apologized to him. Hey, coach. Hope you're doing well. I believe you can consider me a semi-longtime listener because I've been listening since, ironically, episode 88. I'm in the Pittsburgh ICG pool party. Yes, it still exists. I wanted to send you a quick note and thanks for your continuing to fight the good fight. Your show has provided me with laughs, thoughtful insights, and sometimes even downright made me sick. Arian Stallion's story about the Asian ladyboy. Yes, <laughs> the gift that keeps on giving. <clears throat> Sorry about that. I truly appreciate all that you and the rest of the guys on the show do. I am currently laid off right now, so I'm consuming a lot of content to take my mind off the stress of trying to secure another job. You've been an inspiration for me to continue the good fight, no matter how bad things look in the globo homo hellscape we live in. I'll always be a listener and hopefully our paths will cross IRL soon. Hail victory and hail Hitler. Uh, he gave his nice. real name, but I'll just, I'll say that was from Carl. Carl is not his real name so far as I know. <clears throat> Thank you, Carl. Keep up the good fight indeed. And hey, if you need help finding work, uh, I'm sure you got your own network there. But, uh, you know, that's what we're here for. At least we can do, as I said. Uh, quick update on Ash Sharp in Old England. Yes, they did revoke his visitation rights uh, with his daughters. But I was informed just today that my recent letter that was certainly far from like over the top in terms of rhetoric or like commentary on the passing scene did get through to him. And his buddy was surprised that it did. I guess they're like pretty censorship heavy. So if you're looking for an international pen pal, please help Ash Sharp or his wife there. And I'll stop that. Uh, finally, one last listener comment, and this is for somebody out there who's been recommending us to his local network. And this guy said, your local North Carolina friend hopes you're enjoying raising the meat rabbits that he gave you. And he's glad that you sent full house over to him. I've been getting a lot of that lately, including our feds meeting feds correspondent, like a family member sent her the show. This guy's buddy sent it to him, just reached out out of the blue. So, uh, you know, no full house Twitter account is likely going to last anytime soon. Of course we're on telegram, but we're Word of mouth. Oh, with hey, that check, out this, check out this podcast. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you know, we talked about it last week. I, I don't have the bandwidth to do both of those. Not with that attitude. Okay, I'm going to shut up there and let you guys know some serious new expecting dad 
content question here from the audience. Not a question from the audience. He did not think this was going to be on the air, so I'll keep it very straightforward and simple, no attribution. Great guy, great job, great wife, new baby on the way. I knew that he was anxious about being a father. He was not like confident, you know, I got this in the bag, whatever, it's gonna be piece of cake, uh, very nervous about it. So I said, are you still nervous about the new one coming? He said, uh, yes, absolutely. I have to tell you, like, I'm just not cut out for this. Like, I know myself, I'm not gonna be good at being a dad. I said, listen, buddy, change a few diapers, give a few bottles, you know, take a few of those pretty painful, like 2am, 3am, 4am feedings or wake ups or diaper changes, help out your wife, just get a little bit of hands on with the baby. And that's half the battle, you know, being there, not being abusive, helping materially, especially in those early days is nine tenths of the battle. And he was like, haha, that's very funny. And I was like, well, you pussy. He thought that I was joking <laughs> about being hands-on. I thought he was joking about not being hands-on, but I think he's serious about it. He, like, like, no, like <laughs> going straight, just straight back to the, whatever era that was that maybe, obviously there have been men like that throughout history, cavemen to Don Draper, et cetera. But like, he's like not planning on being involved with the baby. I think that's a big mistake. And uh, nobody, even if they're like top of the food chain, alpha dog sh is, is above uh, baby care in the early days over to it to anybody who wants that <laughs> well uh i will just say <clears throat> that real marriage is not like uh the the idealistic thing when when you were dating your wife and stuff like that you're all in love and you know the you, you like looking at her and thinking about her and all that well once you're married you know the, the gloves are off. The bloom is off the rose. I don't know what he, whatever you want to say. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's no, the, the, you know, there's going to be messes to clean up. There's going to be illnesses to be attended to the, you know, there's all kinds of uh, ugly parts of it, I guess that, that come into it and you just got to get in there and do it, you know, now, yeah, sure. The wife should kind of lead, lead that activity more or less, but if you're needed to, take care of a baby, a sick baby, clean a bad diaper, whatever it is, you got to get in needed. there, man. Yeah, well, if you yeah even if you're if not you needed, yeah. If you don't help take care of your children, you don't deserve to have them, straight up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. <laughs> I, no, 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 maybe, maybe. I, think, I think all of the, like. Oh, I'm too good, I'm too good to take care of this child I created. Get a oh, no. grip, bro. <laughs> this is a really nice guy, Smasher. He's not a jerk. I, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah. okay. It's not even about I'm okay. too good. It's a oh, no. nothing burger. Listen, I'm a dude that can do a lot of push ups. Changing a diaper is easier than doing 10 push ups. Making a bottle and giving it to your child is like easier than putting your dishes in the sink. Like these basic True. adult things of like, I don't know, like giving your child a bottle is like, the 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 life task equivalent of like tying your shoes what are you talking about that's outlandish and like biologically you even want to do it like i'd say i did more of it than my wife did just because i was just i Why wanted not? to yeah. like i was just <laughs> yeah. there like we're not Hands talking on. about like I, I don't know this idea like that kind of sounds like someone who has absorbed the idea of like it sounds like somebody that doesn't have a kid yet no, it sounds like the, the, someone has absorbed the idea of the clumsy, oafish dad from like television commercials and sitcoms. Like, no, it sounds it sounds like an extremely online like right wing person. 
And like, it's a, it sounds like somebody back in the eighteen hundreds when you would have been like working the fields and the wife would have been in the house with the kids. Like if you think those guys, if you think like the frontiersmen or the tradesmen of like eighteen thirty weren't helping hands on with the child, you're crazy. That wasn't the case. Like right. the only real instances of that were sort of like this weird divorced from reality stodgy version of the nuclear family sort of post-war in the u.s like the beaver cleaver family like there was only a brief period in history with a whole newfound ease of the post-industrial first world where that ever happened at all like the putting a bottle that, in your kid's mouth maybe like rich people i don't diaper. know well that's i was gonna say th- that my like kids diaper this like weird this idealized this idealized like post-war america where you saw some of that but then also with like extremely wealthy aristocracy but even with them it wasn't that like the man just wasn't doing it. They were just having like servants. Do the it. hell, so even that right. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Now even let's then, let's like, cut him a, a little bit of slack. And you said it too, Smasher. You were like way over the top with him, but then you're like, he sounds like a guy who hasn't had a kid yet. Like the kid's not here yet. You know, he hasn't done any wrong yet. He's just got a very negative outlook toward two two. I think he's like he's like, oh, I, I just I won't be good at it or whatever. Like, no, you'll be fine. Like I could do it. Jo could do it. Like any now, swaddling is a different matter. I, swaddling is different. Yeah. I, I'm good. I'm <laughs> I'm good at swaddling. Yeah, I was terrible at that. I, I used, but just I used like, to be. give me the give me the velcro. But listen but to I'm us. I'm just buddy, like, and, like yeah. okay, if the kid if the kid needs something and your wife is busy, like, are you just going to be like, well, hey, dude, that sucks. <laughs> Sorry. You're gonna, <laughs> hey, you're gonna you're gonna sit there uh, in your shitty diaper covered and throw up screaming, um, because good, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm afraid that I might uh, like. You know, get like shit on the couch on because because because, yeah, because, be, because I'm retarded, hey! so I can't do this. Watch the language. <laughs> no, let me let me let me set a bar here for you, and this goes for how you treat and talk to your wife and child. So, if someone else was charged with the care of my child and wouldn't change my child's diaper, do you know what would happen to that person if someone else was charged with the care of feeding my child and didn't feed my child? The way you treat your wife and children, if you like, if someone else were to treat them the way you do, right? Yeah, <laughs> like I, I would, I, I, I won't begin to describe the violence I would visit upon someone <laughs> who was neglectful of my child. I'm yeah. not going to be that guy. Like if you would smack the shit out of somebody for talking to like your friend or your wife or your kid a certain way, maybe you need to rethink if you talk to them or you treat them that way. Like, mm. I don't, I don't know, man. Like it's just outlandish to me that like anyone yeah. It, it it just doesn't feel like work. Again, like changing my son's diaper was less inconvenient than my own trips to the bathroom. It's like even if you want to be yeah, even if you want to be like uh advantageous or like opportunistic about it, like you want to have a good you want to have a good relationship with your child and those early formative years are important. FaceTime, skin time. Even if you hate changing diapers and you think this baby stuff is like crappy, like you should do it anyway just to spend time with your child and get hands on sure. in the early I, most vulnerable years. Yeah. And so when you wish is like, on your wife, it's that horrible and you <laughs> want to like put this 100% on someone you love? Yeah. Well, like, and like, like if for it's me, that awful... Poop, 
poop is like my thing like it's the one bodily thing that like i just cannot i can't deal with right i hate it i hate i've been I've been I covered. thought you were like a Vince oh, McMahon, no, no. Uh, Brock no, Lesnar no. fan. Or something. No. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Uh, okay. like, I've been I've been covered in human blood, vomit. Like none of this bothers me, but like shit has always bugged me in a in a very different way than the rest of like the human, uh-huh. you know, juices. Um, <laughs> But it's still just like I'm just gonna change the diaper. Like if I notice it first, like I'm just gonna change the diaper. Right. And guess what? If you don't help, your wife will resent you for it. That's a fact. And you'll deserve it. And you'll deserve it. And another pro tip: if you like having sex, the more you help with the kids, the more your wife will be attracted to you, and the more sex you'll have. Mm. Oh, he's going to be so angry at me now, but uh, <laughs> and, and we're really listen to these male feminists. Yeah, change your <laughs> diapers, give it bottles, such a fag. Providing yeah. for your children is so gay. Yeah, no, I don't think there's a lot of. <laughs> You know, I'm not make I'm not making this up. I was fr- I was surprised, and maybe we went a little bit too hard on your buddy. I know he's one of these good guys. He's like, I only listen to your show. I can't listen to the other garbage. So let's get, let's cut him a little slack here. Yeah. Uh, but I yeah, think yeah. I think I think we we smacked him up the head hard enough here. Uh, I'm throwing you guys all one out from left field. You may have seen this, but in the other day, a a non mom and had another lady popping in, not to my DMs, into the seat, into the comment zone. Uh, but her, wherever she lives in the country, she is a married mom. She sends you nudes? No, no. She just sent me bad news. Uh, her kindergartner wow. came came home from school with one of those like proto fag tranny rainbow books, and it wasn't just like we are all well, love the colors of the rainbow you know it was actually like introducing homosexuality and transgenderism she was kind of freaked out like what do i do about it i uh talked with her back and forth a couple guys gave her options about obviously yanking junior and going to homeschool is one option but that's a mm-hmm. fair that's a fairly painful uh i believe economic decision for them possibly so she's considering homeschool she's considering what to do i said first you got to talk to some parents you you gotta know one other parent in your district right who like wouldn't be happy about this and there's of course the rogue suggestion that i would never make sincerely which is just you know take a stroll through that library and uh find all those books and do something with them uh but the other stand-up option is to like actually go to a school board meeting and say something but i told her to first get more intelligence see is there like a whole plague of tranny and gay propaganda in the school library was this a one-off it's kind of weird for a kindergartner to come home you know f- from school with there's one of those an activist of involved like if your five-year-old has it there's someone who wants to do this that's not being like someone right, went out right. of their way to do that and yeah. the the most powerful thing that you didn't know you can do <clears throat> is just tell them I'm keeping my child home on count day because every semester there is a count day at public schools and the found and the funding that that school is going to get is based on how many kids are there for count day. And that's why they'll tell you, even if you're sick, make sure you show up on Monday the seventh or whatever count day is and just tell them that your kids staying home on count day. And you're talking to other parents about doing the same thing and watch how quickly they shit their pants. That sounds a little like an urban legend to me, J.O. I can't imagine like a kid sick on this count day that that screws the school in terms of, I'm not saying you're, you're wrong, but it just sounds too easy to be true. I don't know. Um, but well, a lot yeah. of funding comes from standardized testing anymore too. Yeah. 
Um, but you know, and then she's, find she's, out how your school is funded and how you can negatively affect it. Like another thing, this is like, because these always go in the same conversation. If you are ever in a dispute with any organization from which you have purchased something, report it to your credit card company. You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to argue with the merchant. Just tell your credit card company that you did not receive the good or the service in the way that it was promised, and they will revoke the money, and you're no longer arguing with the merchant. And this yeah. kind of works the same way. Like, it, uh, in some districts, there's a makeup for count day, but you can make sure your kid is neither there neither of those two days. Yep. If that happened to us here, the fir the first thing I would do is get get the full scoop and definitely be like you know, go visit the library and see what's going on there. I would, pr my gut instinct would probably be to email the principal or the school secretary or be, and just be very careful, very deliberate phrase carefully. You don't want to come off as a lunatic or whatever. And just be like, my child brought this book home from school or someone gave it to him. It is a, a kindergartner. It has, it goes without saying like it was just wrong. Um, this is a significant problem and I would like to know what happened here and if the school has any plans to um, make changes here or correct this because it's grossly uh, just out of order, 100% uh, civilizationally. Uh, and then you can obviously elevate it and make a lot of people nervous, but go to a school board meeting with a prepared statement. And, 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 as we know from our friends, it always helps to have strength in numbers. Going it alone is way harder than even if you have one or two other parents that you know, they don't have to be Nazis or white nationalists or even right wing. I don't but, know why we're know. <laughs> expected to, I don't know why we're expected to be cool and civilized against something so horrible like i'm going to the school and asking which pedophile gave my kid this book fair enough like, I, I i'm going yeah. hard like yeah. i have I didn't... no the onus is not on me to walk in here civilized when you've just done something so over the top heinous fair enough another i didn't well and they're, and they're just gonna say what you think a kindergartner doesn't need to know how to dilate i don't think so it is a lefty district she's not in the middle of the country she's not in oklahoma Yep. She, I, I think she's kind of concerned about that. Yep. I explained to my kids the other day uh, that we don't tolerate faggot shit. And they <laughs> asked what, and I don't remember, one of them asked something and it was like completely innocent. What's and faggot was, shit? And they uh, they were like, can we do this? Or like, can we, you know, whatever. And it was totally like innocent little kid stuff. It wasn't coming from school or anything, but I was just like, no, we don't do faggot stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what's faggot stuff? And I'm just like, faggot stuff is gay stuff, and we just don't tolerate that. And they're like, well, what's that mean? And I was like, "You'll, I'll explain it to you when you're older, but all you need to know right now is Weirdos. That it's a rule that we don't do gay stuff. Son, and they were just like, okay. stuff. Son, faggot stuff is when two men make God cry. <laughs> faggot stuff is anything anything daddy says is not good is faggot stuff <laughs> when i first saw bill and ted's excellent adventure back in whatever it was 89 90 i forget uh i for a time i was going around just going 69 dude 69 dude like, like retardedly often i had no idea what that meant and eventually my mom was just like we don't say that 
in this house. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know when I found out exactly what it meant, but you know, it wasn't too far after that. Like, why was that such a big deal? I don't get it. <laughs> uh, but she just shut it down right there. And I shut it down right there. Like, mm. like if you, you know, there's been a time where I, you know, and this was actually with both of our boys were like, they're young, five, six, whatever. And they're doing kind of like a faggy dance or whatever, you know, maybe like a hand on the hip. I was like, we don't dance that way. Yeah, like real serious. Yep. But no, I, I, I don't like the way you're moving. We're not doing it like that. And they stopped. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. wasn't an oh, ongoing problem. I just, yeah. I just straight up, I just drop faggot all the time. I'm just like, don't do any faggots. Well, the way I've described this a bunch of times, and people are like, oh, where do you sit the line? Like, okay, it used to be this wasn't even a conversation. You didn't have to warn your kids about any of this because it just wasn't a part of life. But it's just something as simple as, like, you know, your son. Uh, puts steps into mommy's shoes that are obviously girls' shoes and says, look, I'm mommy. And you say, no, those are for girls. Take those off. Yep. And that's all there is to it. Yeah. Authoritative end of discussion. <laughs> There's no wiggle room there. And you can even have a giggle about it. Like, no, don't be silly. That's for girls. You know, like, you don't have to, like, give your kid, like, you know, a 45-minute lecture on, like, the six. the horrifying nature of sodomy and its practitioners or whatever. Yeah, you don't need to shame them. You, you mean you don't you don't sit your kids down and make watch the gift with you? <laughs> oh God, yeah. So uh, we're gonna stay Not in touch yet. with that. We're gonna stay in touch with that lady. Uh, if you want, you want to go ham, Jo style, go for it. I always counsel a little more caution because I don't want to be the source of somebody becoming like front page news. But I mean, what is it, the Moms for Liberty? Like all these. Norm, like center right parents organizations, Loudoun County. This happened with the tranny in the bathroom and the school denying there was a sexual assault and the father getting arrested. Like middle American moms and parents have been painted as racist, radical, anti queer inquisitors for uh, not much, which is a, a good thing, right? God bless them for going hard and let the enemy overreact to normal people just being disgusted. Well, that's the whole thing about are you a Nazi? Yeah. Like, oh, do I, like, are you a Nazi? Yeah. So am I a Nazi if I object to them, like, telling my five-year-old that he might be a girl and he might want to cut his penis off? Does that make me a Nazi? Right. So, yeah. But, okay. I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Because like you the, talking uh, about my five-year-old, if, if that makes me a Nazi, then you talking I, about okay. my five-year-old's penis <laughs> makes you a pedophile. Yeah, right. the the icon for the comment zone is the old guy shrugging his hands and the you know Twitter tweet like if you're anti pedophile you are a Nazi. Guess I am Nazi. Okay, fine, I will play by your rules. Yeah, mm -hmm. maybe I'll maybe I'll give a look into those guys. Uh, totally shifting gears to news and geopolitics because I promised this last week we didn't get to it whatsoever because we were so excited to talk to each other. Uh, but I'm going to start. I don't know. I forgot to ask you guys during the break if any of you listened to the Putin Tucker interview. Um, so I'll just be brief here and then you can riff off of it because we don't have to do a big thing. But a lot of the commentary, of course, the memes were awesome. And the fact that Putin went on for roughly 30 minutes with a fairly autistic history lesson uh, was interesting. It was a little bit boring. Like as I'm listening to it, I'm like, you are losing the audience. Uh, obviously, Tucker thought he was filibustering. I thought he was flexing a little bit because the one thing that's for certain is that, you know, Putin has been down. He's, he's been in office for 24 years now, 23 years, whatever. He's had journalists come and go. And he said this explicitly in his interview with Megyn Kelly. He said, the presidents come and go, the regimes come and go, but the agenda remains the same. 
beautiful post on 4chan. It's like, can we join NATO? No. Can you please not expand NATO? No. Can you please not try to expand NATO to Ukraine? No. Can we work on this? No, 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 no. So my impression was that Putin was like, you know, I'll give Tucker a little bit more uh, benefit of the doubt, a little bit more credit for being sort of an American rogue journalist. And I do give Tucker a ton of credit for going there. His life would have been a lot easier for not doing it. But I just think that, you know, Putin was kind of like blase and glib about it. Like not much that I can say here like he didn't tr he didn't try to win over an american audience cuz i think he realized that it doesn't matter that even if he you know delivered like an awesome sermon about all the things that are wrong in america and how we could somehow have a rapprochement in the future and like join hands and put all this stuff behind us like it doesn't matter the system that is in place even under trump was anti-Russia. There were sanctions on Russia during Trump. There was no big move toward peace. They had some like bromance a little bit, but nothing significantly changed. So I just saw Putin as sort of like a shitlord sitting there up there on his throne. Like, I'm going to talk about what I want to talk about. Maybe some of it was addressed to American elites. Uh, but at this point, he's like, you guys are hopeless. I got I got to do my own thing, you know, and this is what I think about stuff. And of course, he probably dissembled a lot. Did any of you guys watch the interview? All two hours of it. I did. Nope. <clears throat> I did. Uh, yeah. Um, I think that the first part where he's giving the history lesson was a little bit of a nothing burger, but <clears throat> if I'm not sure exactly to whom he was talking, like who he was trying to convince, but if you were to talk about uh, demographic replacement in the United States, you couldn't not go back to the Mexican American war so for him to set the foundation of everything he was going to talk about, uh, I guess made some kind of sense. He probably could have been more concise about it. I don't know that we needed to go to, you know, 853 BC and all that sort of thing. Um, I thought uh, the most interesting parts were Tucker repeatedly asking him, Okay, so if I take all of this at face value and I say this is a perfectly acceptable reason, why 2022? Why did right. you do it when you did it? And I don't feel like I. Putin would try and pill pull you and explain to you that he did, in fact, answer that question. But at yeah. no point did he. But, like, it was just this was the time the straw broke the camel's back. And this is the time they went for it. Um yeah, we, we had, he, he, had, he probably didn't want to admit that the military wasn't ready to do it. A lot of Russians think that they should have gone in during the coup in 2014 or maybe in 2018. I mean, this stuff was popping off in Donetsk and Lugansk for all that time, right? There was a lot of frustration that he didn't go in earlier. And maybe he was like, yeah, I, we, we weren't ready. Or, and again, yeah, the whole, like he kind of brushed off the whole NATO expansion thing. And at one point, uh, Zelensky was like, we, yes, we want to uh, become a nuclear power or host nuclear weapons. He, he could have gone there and he didn't. And he, he, he just, he just seemed a little bit like a, like a Pharaoh up there, you know, like here's this American journalist, you know, and kind of like toying with him, having fun. There with were him. a lot of points he could have made and did. Yeah. There were a lot of arguments he could have deployed and did, which tells me that like, I think, Putin rightly knew that he wasn't going to change anyone's mind. Like we brass tacks. The reason that people support Ukraine in this and want to see Putin as the bad guy is they like, they still have some kind of weird Trump derangement system about like Trump being a Putin puppet or being buddies with Putin. They have Putin this idea alert. of him yep. as the big evil because you know, Trump is the big evil <clears throat> and 
people who are that far divorced from reality, like, what, do you think he's going to go out there and convince them of something? The, uh, the denazification comments deserve a note, too, because uh, that was probably credit to... Uh, Credit to Tucker for broaching it and pushing back on it. Like, what what does that mean, denazification? Almost giving him the opportunity to, like, you know, we, of course, the the extreme angry Matsok Ukraine bro will say that like Putin wants to exterminate every Nazi on Earth. People more uh, people more of our ilk will be like, yeah, like, do you really expect the Russian country where defeating the the Nazis is like the current you know foundational stone of national pride? More or less, that's not entirely true, but it's a major one. Do you really expect them to be pro-Nazi? Do you really expect them to be tolerant of Nazis on their border where they lost tens of uh, many millions of people in the borderlands? But Tucker was like, but hey, how do you do that? I mean, it kind of implies you want to denazify Ukraine. That would seem to suggest that you would have to take the whole country to influence what political parties are there. Not entirely. I guess you could, through negotiations, say that that would have to be added to the Constitution or something. But that even gave me, a, you know, he did the boomer thing. A lot of people have said that Putin is a Russian boomer. Uh, in which, you know, the atrocities of World War II, which he conveniently overlooked the K-10 forest massacre of all the Polish officers by the Soviets. He's certainly spoken about Bolshevik atrocities in Russia, but not on the Eastern Front. He probably views them as justified as a response. Anyway, uh, Putin is not a Nazi. And I don't think that the guys who said, ah, Nazi doesn't mean what it means for them, what it means to us. Uh, I think he basically explicitly said, no, I am anti-national socialism. The spirit of Hitler is still alive and i am opposed to it i find that understandable from a russian head of state in the current year understandable i don't like it uh i can understand not wanting that on your exposed soft underbelly in ukraine uh now what he would think about good upright white nationalist boys in america or uh, australia or anywhere else in the world i don't know uh putin doesn't have to be perfectly aligned with my ideology for me to consider him still a savior and future saint of the Russian people in the Orthodox church. It's just, you know, unfortunately like things don't line up with our desires all the time. Well, it's also uh, like something that no one can argue against. No one in Russia or America is going to say, Oh, I disagree with that. You should promote Nazis and Nazism and let it run rampant. Like, it's, yeah. it's sort of like I mean, child molesters. Like, wow, dude, like, yeah, someone's going to disagree with that. Uh, it sort of just puts you in this unassailable position that nobody can argue against. I'll tell you one part that did kind of bother me, though, is when sure. Tucker was asking him about Christianity and, like, Tucker was presenting this sort of, like, pussified form of Christianity as the standard by which a Christian should hold themselves. Yep. And that surprised me from him because he doesn't like lack aggression. He's not like, I feel like there's that version of Christianity that some Christians follow and all non-Christians expect Christians to follow. It's the whole foot washing commercial thing. We're like, Oh, we're supposed to tolerate any level of sin and evil because Jesus is super forgiving so what, like you just lay down and take any amount of whatever an individual or a country or the world has to hand out to you because you're Christian? Uh, that, I don't know. Yep. That seems silly I, to me that that was Tucker's point on Christianity. 
Yeah. And, and as somebody who interviews people semi-regularly, I could put myself in his shoes and commiserate like first, I don't care who you are. It's imposing to go interview the head of the Russian state to uh, Putin did alpha dog him like, and you can't just exactly be like, uh, can you stop here and answer this question? And he's just going to say whatever he wants. Uh, but he did feed him a couple softballs. What would, what would he, what would denazification look like? You know, like, so you're saying that the system, uh, you know, undercuts our elected leaders. Like he was doing his narratives and he got a little bit of bite from Putin. Uh, but he, yeah, Putin didn't take the softballs up. He didn't give him what he was looking for. And it was a little bit like a one-sided boxing match um, where like the, the, the King, the heavyweight just was like smacking around glass Joe, but not particularly maliciously. Um, so I found it interesting, but disappointing at the same time. Somebody was like, ah, so it was like a strip club, you know, <laughs> very fascinating, but unfulfilling. I said, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so take that for what it's worth. Yeah. I didn't go through the whole interview, but I also think that, Putin got up there and, you know, to answer a question that has a lot of nuance and intricacies and explain positions, he has to go back a long time to explain why Russians are Russian. And Americans, where we live in a country that's, you know, people have only been on the continent for 400 years. Uh, you know, America as a country isn't 400 years old, but you know our presence here is about 400 uh, years old at this point. J- Jamestown, so 1607, isn't it? Remarkable. Like Jamestown was 1607. I think the uh, Mayflower was 1610 or 1620. Like that shocked me. Right. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't reg- register just how quickly we went from like tiny outpost on the outcropping of North America to like the point where we're doing the revolutionary war, like 150 years later, just sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, no. That's true. Like we've, I, America's done a lot in the 400 years that, yeah. you know, it's been a project, but our history is only 400 years. You look at like an American history book, uh, you can fit a pretty okay uh, history of America into book it'll be a thick book you know but you can get america give it pretty... is three people old yes exactly you know we're 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 not an old country where you have a europe and not and this isn't exclusive to russia this is europe in general um you know the people have been in these places for th- they have histories that are literally a thousand two thousand years old at this point so yeah well like, americans aren't taught real history. So you, you say this, like it's crazy that people don't understand this, but uh, Americans are not taught history at all. They're, they're taught fake history. They're taught magic Negroes, noble savage, right. uh, uh, white man hurt Jews. And there's no emphasis. uh, Yeah. Yeah. And there's no emphasis on actual history of our, like, ah, some guy signed a piece of paper and some fireworks. But, but the <laughs> civil rights movement, this is when America's, are, that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Slavery. Right. That, that was our, important. Yep. Right. Our, our history is 400 years old, but it's like our founding, um, our founding myth is really like World War II and the Holocaust. And like our found, our preview, um, our prehistory is the Civil War. Yep, and this, yeah, this, it's sort of like America happened in three batches. We were the scrappy rebel rebels who don't kneel for a king, 
And then we had to have a big infighting about slavery and the same sort of people that tell screw you to Britain and fight to defeat slavery. Of course they would go to fight and, you know, end the Holocaust. And that we are just this constant underdog story that like, you know, beats up the bullies who are, who are afflicting the downtrodden. And now we are told that that's our identity. Right. Call me a cuck, call me crazy, but I don't expect any Russian ruler to be Natsak or white pride worldwide. I would expect him to be a competent leader of Russia and defender of her interests at home and abroad. And I think the evidence suggests overwhelmingly over the past 24 years that Putin has done that while becoming through the West's implacable Zog hostility toward him and Russia desire to make it bend its knees or break it into a million pieces, a very powerful resistance to that, which is is net net a good thing for a country to not be destroyed like so many of our others have and that kind of corresponds you know the longer the war has dragged on the less patience or tolerance i have had with the ukraine bros because i've seen them get sort of more vicious and more nasty which is fine you know but you know, you're, you're it's not fine no it's it's well, not well, fine if you're I, national I socialist leader or bust you are retarded because right. you're not going to get that. You need to have more realistic goals. And if it's just well, that, well, these guys, they have swastikas. And that's the and that's your only like the metric yeah. for who I mean, you think is an ally. You are obviously insane. willing they're obviously willing to settle considering Zelensky is still alive. So I mean they're just not good Nazis, let's be real. They're not Nazis. If you're following a Jew, how are you a national socialist? That's my point. Yep, they're they're in. I'm trying to be a little bit charitable, Rollo, because obviously I'm telling Smasher's not too hard. Maybe I'm. I know Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm trying to meet in the middle where you need to lower your expectations. Well, Putin saying that he's anti-national socialist because he understands the history of Russia. Now, granted. Uh, I think we can all agree that Russia were not the good guys in that war, considering their actions. For sure, but they, but Putin cares about what's best for Russia. And I've talked to people that 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 like conservative Putin, people. Putin is a better Putin national a, socialist than any Ukrainian. In practice, or in practice, yeah, absolutely. Who, but who, who, but who, I, who, I, who let a hostile military? Well, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not even talking about that. I'm not even talking about national socialism. I know people that think that Putin needs to be like conservatives that think Putin needs to be killed and removed from power, and they don't understand that he would be replaced with the equivalent of a Joe Biden. Zelensky is no different than a Joe Biden. They just want to brown up their area. And uh, and have the women be sex trafficked for Israeli brothels and future Epstein's. They want to bring in blacks. They want to make kids gay. They don't want to do anything that hasn't been done to us. But they, sex from Botswana to Belarus. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, like, what what was the line? I forget what her exact words were, but like when Hillary Clinton was like military saber rattling in her rhetoric about the fact that Russians don't like gay shit. <laughs> yeah. Which is manifestly true. So, so and, firsthand. and the thing is, if what we look at as like national socialists, 
and we can just discount the, the Hitler worship. Just going back to like Moms for Liberty or conversation Coach had with this person, like who is called a Nazi? Do you like look at like think about who is called a Nazi in this country? Do you Trump. think that the equivalent in Russia Putin is against? Like if someone was like Russia first, no more immigrants, no gay stuff in schools, Russia for Russians. You, if you did that, but America for Americans, immigrants out, no gays in schools, you would be called a Nazi. Putin would not bag someone in Russia for doing that. That's, mm, that's yeah. If they went too far, if they went too far, he would. Uh, to be I fair, just but, said that. Do you think so? If if they said Russia for Russians, no gay shit, and uh, kick the immigrants they have, out, they they do have they have a very weird dynamic over there where it's it's eighty percent Russian, but they have so many restive or possibly restive, you know, ethnic populations that are more or less sanguine right now that they do try to keep a lid on that. Like it's allowed, but it's not allowed. You know, you can be proud but not too proud, sort of thing. And and. And I can well, understand that too from a pragmatic super, perspective. Yeah, go ahead. Let me make a super basic bitch point here where I feel like uh, a normie con who thinks that pointing out hypocrisy is winning. But all the all the lefties who want to support Zelensky in Ukraine, what do you think the average Ukrainian thinks of black people and homosexuals? Because I can tell They're, you what they think. They, they think, they think they nothing think. of them. Yeah. But 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 that's increasingly not the case because Ukraine was getting westernized. And I guarantee you, in 1991, the percentage of uh, Ukrainians who are pro-homosexuality or pro-African like migration would have been close to zero. Today, it's probably like 20, 30%. I don't know. I'd have to do the homework, but, but you know but it's going goes. This goes back to something that Devin Stack says about boomers and why boomers are pro-black. It's because they don't know black people. So these Ukrainians that are pro-blacks and gays, it's because they're told that they're great and they're probably watching Western media. They like they don't know blacks. Like it's not like here, here's some some Somalians and some Sudanese, and here's some child molesters, and they're like, Wow, this is great. I love this rape murder. This is wonderful. No, they love they, the it, sassy gay black friend from the American TV show. They they exactly. like the Jew. They hey, they like the Jew playing the piano with his penis on national TV every night, or that one mm -hmm. time at least. Their their current president. Which brings me to the next point, of course, which is that we wanted to talk about for a while. But Gonzalo Lira, Chilean American commentator, former Manosphere, turned sort of geopolitics, who went. No coach, one of his videos, I had maybe heard of him. I was like, oh, there's another guy who goes by coach. Interesting. Whatever. Sounds like he's in our ecosystem. Uh, he Obviously, he was in Ukraine. Guys call him a sex pest that he was a sex tourist. I don't know. Apparently, he got married and had a child with a woman. He looks like an Iberian to me. He does not appear to have any uh, significant Indio in his blood. So an older guy going to find a wife like, yeah, I don't really like the idea, but I'm not going to crucify him for that. He was neglected to death or murdered to death in a Ukrainian prison for, of course, giving commentary from Ukraine. Uh, there was a wonderful substack on it that I found that I boosted on the channel from a former journalist who said, he, yeah, that's what these guys do. Like they live on the high, like they're on the front lines. He found himself on the front lines of like the biggest story in the world and he couldn't keep his mouth shut. That's what these guys do sometimes. That's for the people who say like he gets what he what deserves. What was the guy, yeah. Kurt something or another? 
he, he uh, went on Kurt TRS Finn. a couple of times. <laughs> Doolittle, Doolittle, Doolittle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I know uh, from back in like the 2015, 2016, me first getting into stuff days, and I'm only mentioning this because it's all I know about him, but I was sort of hinting to some of my friends my right term, which had been much more dramatic and, you know, radical than I was exactly letting on. And someone sent me a link to a conversation between that Coach Red Hill character and Candace Owens, and I never watched it, but that was like my only and almost running with it was that someone had sent me something like that. And I think Candace Owens was going by some handle back then, like she was like Red Pill Black or something. Black. (laughs) So it was like Red Pill Black and Coach Red Pill, and like someone was like, oh, well, these people make some good points, and I didn't listen to it at all because i was already like knee deep in trs and shit i listened to a bunch of his yeah a bunch of his stuff from over there good yeah i thought you might have been him for a moment when (laughs) i just started hearing your name i was like wait yeah yeah pure coincidence never interacted with him whatsoever not even a dm well they both look mexican that's right. <laughs> we are both sporty. <laughs> hey, Jay, yeah, I resemble too. that. Yeah. yeah, dark, dark Germanic tribe represent. But uh, and a lot of guys, yo, oh, you got what he deserves. I don't know. I listened to his podcast. He wasn't like, kill the Ukrainians. The Ukrainian troops are here. To me, it sounded like he was ish- dishing straight dope that was probably 90% spot on in its analysis. He got arrested. He was released. That was his shot across the bow. And what really kind of put me over the edge was I, I just assumed, yeah, the stupid bastard. You know, he should have fled the country or he should have kept his mouth shut. Well, he couldn't keep his mouth shut. How many of our guys can commiserate with not being able to keep our mouth shut in perilous situations? Plus, he took his bike. I don't know if it was a Vespa or a a Harley or whatever. After he got arrested and released and he rode his motorcycle across the country to try to cross the border into Hungary, I believe. Before he went for that effort, he stopped in a field. He kind of lit up a smoke. If you haven't seen this video, you got to find it. And he's very pensive. Looks like he's maybe thinking about letting a teardrop. And he explains that he's going for it, why he couldn't go north to Russia, X, Y, Z. This is my best chance. They arrested him there on his escape attempt. They threw him in prison. And then he and he wrote, I guess, one last letter to his father or other correspondent where he's like, I'm, I'm going to die in here. And he knew then if they caught him that he was going to die in prison. And well, they killed him. For, yeah. Western first world. And it's less and less true now, but it's the only place where you ever even kind of at a fair shake. Like, at least someone will put up some sort of gay Jewish Talmudic, like, legalese reason to go after Julian Assange or to go after Trump yeah. on a million different legal things, blah, blah, blah. And at least, like, they get a day in court usually. And, you know, we've seen unfair treatment to a million of our guys, but, like, you have, if you know enough to be reporting from Russia or Ukraine or from China or from Africa or for South America, from South America, like yep. they don't even pretend that like there's fairness or due process. The difference yep. between the West and the rest of the world is that the West was the only place that ever put the blame on the liar. Everywhere else in the world, the sucker is to blame for getting sucker. No one else ever had, you know, I've been reading a ton lately about, uh, you know, the Western expansion, and it's always been something I've kind of been in love 
with or whatever and reading about you know the indian wars and like there's all of these atrocities attributed to americans or anglos or germans because like there'd be a prisoner swap and then the americans would go ahead and kill all the indians anyway because they would find out that their children who had been kept prisoner were tortured the whole time and their noses are cut off or that like the women who were abducted were raped and half of them were killed and like they used torture and all of this stuff that the euros didn't do so the only way for the euros to fight back was eventually to fight like them but like e even if you read from our perspective and by our i don't mean american or just white but like if you look at the sort of people that we like as writers listen and you look at like the treatment of prisoners of war in germany or in england or in france versus how the russians treated prisoners of war how the japanese treated prisoners of war like the yep. west is the only place that ever even pretended to give anyone a fair shake so the enlightenment didn't make it over like there yeah. <laughs> for anyone to try and go muckrack like that in ukraine like write whatever you're gonna write but don't write it from there yeah. I know, especially when he had so many. And, and who knows? Maybe I haven't seen this, but maybe it was the fact that he had a wife and kid there that he was like, "Ah, I'm not. I'm not leaving. I got my family here." I, I, I didn't see them. Andrew in Tate and his brother, being as rich and popular as they are, have not talked for a second negatively about the Romanian judicial system because right. it's Eastern Europe, bro. And like, you can't just hire the best lawyers in the world and go ahead. They don't. That's just not how they roll anywhere in the world except the west and yeah. I, I like as westernized as maybe they've come since the wall fell eastern europeans are not western i love them they're white like they have the right to their own countries etc cetera, etc cetera. and i'm not necessarily making a value judgment but like it's different and unless you have ever dealt with people who aren't western you don't understand the way in which it's different well said. And don't forget that Ukraine had an American tranny freak over there. They have created kill lists. Tucker Carlson is on their kill list now. They had that tranny freak doing propaganda for the government, Natsak bros. Uh, just because somebody has a swastika tattooed on their chest and says, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go over here and shoot up this neighborhood today. It's National Socialism. Get in line. Sorry. I, get, I guess I'm not Natsak enough to get in line for every harebrained scheme like fighting against the Russian military in largely Russian ethnic territories for a Jewish president at behest of the West, which clearly wants to use Ukraine as a cudgel to further harm Russia, as they said explicitly. Like, sorry, uh, you may have had Nazi moon base Ukraine for a time there because the government was letting it happen because you were useful to its objectives, which was actually joining the West. And you know how that has worked out for everybody yeah, from anybody, England anybody, to France to Germany. Yeah. <laughs> anybody that thinks that Jews won't use uh, Nazi stuff uh, in one way or another, yeah. in one way or another, is retarded. I mean, uh, Post-war, there was Nazi stuff all over Europe because uh, the CIA was setting up these clubs and operations to fight communism throughout Europe. And they were doing it with explicit national socialist imagery and messaging. Like that's yeah. that's a, not even a secret. That's not a conspiracy. That's a confirmed thing. And people are like, oh, no, they're there's no way that Jews would let Nazis do Go stuff. watch that two-hour video of Leon DeGrell explaining his life from his house in Spain. 
Nigga, mm-hmm. just just look, just read, just spend two minutes and read Operation Gladio on Wikipedia. Paperclip. Yeah, uh, yeah. We we literally just went around and collected all the uh, best and brightest of the Nazis and frog marched them over here and said, "You're going to build us rockets now," and they did wonderfully. Yeah. Well, Opera- <laughs> Operation Gladio is where the CIA just so went and set up behind, right? Yeah. S- they set up a, a bunch of fake nationalist stuff using Nazi imagery. Uh, roped in a bunch of like ex SS men to go do it. Uh, and set up nationalist stuff to fight communism in Europe until they decided that they didn't need to do that anymore. Yep. And for yep. all of the, uh, you know, like Nazis and national socialists in Ukraine that were supposed to take their side and empathize with them, like, two questions. One, like, who is their coherent, charismatic leader? Like, we don't have a name. For any, like, we might even know individuals from the ranking file who have passed, or you know, guys over here who went and like socialized and trained a little bit with them. But it's not like they have this one guy to rally around who was like the big voice of that province. The way that, like, you know, they did have that with Donetsk and Luhansk. Yeah, maybe, maybe white, maybe White Rex is the uh, the guy for the Ukrainian Natsak. You know, he led an insurgency into into Russia and got out. I don't think it was too effective, but uh, yeah, yeah. Even even if we agreed with those guys, it's like you know, maybe maybe it's like unfair for us sitting over here, not being in the flight, to like criticize it. I don't think so. It's like yeah, but we also have the ability to zoom out and look at the bigger picture and realize what's going on. Like yeah, just because you fight in a foxhole doesn't make your cause legitimate for everyone around the world that does how, how many tens of millions of people have been slaughtered in retarded wars uh no matter how noble they were or what they thought they were fighting for their country sorry it makes you a sucker it doesn't make you a hero or noble even if we might understand why you're motivated or tempted to do it and ethnic displacement is a fact of life when hitler went back into poland to take back you know rightful German property, there were still tons of ethnic Poles there, even if Germans were the majority. And like, something's got to happen with them Poles. <laughs> like, do something with these Poles. Yeah. Like, do they well, need to go into interior Poland or what? But like, if you are a Ukrainian in a historically, uh, you know, uh, historically and presently ethnically Russian area. I understand wanting to fight for the neighborhood you grew up in, but like, is this your spot? And I forgot to mention, let's not overlook the fact that Putin explicitly said, essentially, that the Poles were being intransigent or maybe agreement incapable. That's how he described the West previously in agreement incapable. Cause he knows whether he'll ever say it or not. Who's really pulling the strings behind us. And he said, the Poles were basically being a bunch of assholes and, and Hitler had no choice, but to go in there and get Danzig. Cause it was a German city. That was an astounding uh, admission from a Russian president. And you could say, well, he's just saying that cause he's drawing the parallel, like, you know, uh, justified, but to use Hitler's starting of world war two as justification for what he's doing in Ukraine was incredible. And I think that that was overlooked too. Everybody's focused on the history lesson, which makes me think that that was part of the plan. I don't know, plan trusting, whatnot. Uh, we got to wrap this up, gentlemen. Uh, Sam, haven't heard from you in a while. Anything you want to get off your, your yeah. Jo, your your mic yeah. discipline is terrible. <laughs> what are you wearing? A blazer? <laughs> you, you got your phone and your blazer or something? Uh, go ahead, Sam. <laughs> 
Well, uh, th this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and it is also St. Valentine's Day. So uh, you're going to have to juggle that. Uh, maybe you do your celebrating on the next day mm, or the previous day. A rare confluence of yeah. Ash Wednesday and Valentine's Day. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a conflict in our house here. Interesting. Let, let us know next yeah. week how it turns out. Uh, Smasher, my wife has come to terms with my plastic bag hoarding, but she has recently blown her top over my glass jar hoarding. I simply cannot throw out all the glass jars from pickle jars to pasta glass jars. I'm a, and, I'm uh, a glass and, jar collector. <laughs> what am I going to I've been stashing them under the house, you know, out of sight, out of mind. We got that be big, beautiful crawl space, dry. If you have any plastic. If you have any plastic cups, throw the plastic cups away. Use uh, use the glass. Yeah, yeah, smaller even like, ones for sure. Even if you get like the goyfi Tostitos salsa or queso uh -huh. or whatever, dude, yeah. those fit. Those fit a twelve ounce beer perfectly. <laughs> My man, <laughs> I was like, honey, I'll put them under the house, and she's like, okay. <laughs> what will I be hoarding next? I finally took the aluminum Just cans. Get a, get a canner. <laughs> No, I know, but it's like, I, yeah, no, the, yeah, the pressure uh, canner, uh, my buddy lent it to me or whatever, but my uh, garden surplus here has never been so great. Maybe on tomatoes and potatoes. We did can some potatoes a couple summers ago with my buddy who's an expert canner, but I have not uh, gotten too serious into that. Can but, uh, yeah, I'm just going to stick them, stick them under the... Uh, under the house for now, the strategic glass jar reserve, and I did finally make the hour-long trip to drive almost a year's worth of aluminum can hoarding. Did finally clear that out before the surgery, and I earned a whopping $40. It was 40 cents a pound, and I had 100 pounds worth of aluminum cans plus some winter slush that uh, was perhaps snuck into those cans. I'll shut up about the aluminum cans. Regardless, it, it paid $40 for about eight months of collecting <laughs> every scrap of aluminum that I can. And uh, the cool thing is that the place did have a phone call, a phone number to, to call, and it gave you like the daily rate for aluminum. So that jump, I'm going to keep sort of saving aluminum cans just because I don't like the idea of that good, useful metal going in the trash all the time. But it was kind of a damp squib. I thought maybe I'd get a hundred bucks out of it. Metal is one of the few things that's actually worth recycling. Metal and glass yep. can both be recycled infinitely. Plastic nope. can't yeah, really be can't. recycled. Uh, yeah. It can be recycled two or three times at best. Uh, yeah. And after that, it can't be. And for most processes, plastic costs more to recycle than it does to make new uh, yep. paper plastic burn, burn it burn it in your backyard yeah. yep anyway all right gents let's land this puppy especially since we went long in the first and if you got any any last comments by all means let's go reverse death. order oh, go ahead please yeah death to israel time. all right death to israel jo top that um, <laughs> oh, go ahead smash oh, <laughs> the things yeah. the things uh during the super bowl what happened during the super bowl Chiefs won, uh, Chiefs won in overtime. overtime. First overtime no, Super Bowl. No, that that is not what no. he's talking House, about. House, uh, the House Republicans failed to impeach oh, Mayorkas, yeah. and the Ukraine-Israel aid package uh, passed. The 18 Senate. Republicans voted alongside Democrats <laughs> in the Senate during the Super Bowl, and simultaneously mm -hmm, during mm -hmm. the Super Bowl, Israel bombed the ever-loving shit Rafa. Yeah. out of Rafa. Oh, uh, one of the last sections in Gaza that people could actually live in. Yep. Um, 
I don't know if you guys have seen any of the footage, but it was extremely yeah, brutal, terrible, um, very disgusting. Death to Israel, but no, yeah, uh, abs- I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked. Should I be shocked at the chutzpah of uh, Netanyahu and the Israeli leadership that uh, having not entirely no. pacified the north or moving out of the south? Nope, nope. I sh- yeah, maybe no, my human, my, yeah, my human instinct would be like, are they crazy? Are they, are they genocidal? They're um, not. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there you go. I agree on. And a very, very good call, Smasher. Yeah. I don't know about any Super Bowl conspiracies, but passing that stuff during the Super Bowl would certainly suggest it hasn't passed yet. The House might be a little bit trickier than the Senate, but essentially they're like, yeah, oh, maybe we're uh, we're running a surplus on the budget. Let's just foist out $78 billion to Ukraine, to Israel, and a little bit for Taiwan and smattering of this in that too. Kind of nice, kind of nice to know that we've been right all these years. Uh, Extremely painful. Well, it's uh, like, I don't think they don't need to control who wins the Super Bowl. That doesn't, that has zero. Right. But that has like zero impact on things. Well, they they can, they they use rig it for gambling purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe sure. But like, that's the, people, the only thing I see. When we're talking about this level of power, like we're talking about the niggas that own BlackRock and shit like that. Right. What, yeah. who, they don't f- care about betting $5 million on the Super Bowl or whatever. Like they don't give a shit about that. Uh, the thing that they, the thing that they use the Super Bowl and other like big events for is a distraction and to push messaging. Like they'll lose money on messaging just to put race mixing in your face. Sure, burgers. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like the well, the I'm rigging, they don't they points. don't need to rig it uh, because the no, person, the nonsense. team that there's too much yeah the team that wins too much money to be made blowing up the conspiracy for it to continue with five thousand people involved in it. Uh, yeah, and and I mean to them it it doesn't matter. Like the person, the team that wins can be entirely organic you know, quote unquote, or however organic you think these things are because the, the team that wins doesn't matter. You could hate the, you know, normies that are people that are into football still, they could hate both the teams in the Super Bowl. They could hate every single team in the playoffs. And guess what? They're still going to watch most of the playoffs and you guarantee they're going to watch the Super Bowl. An Whoa. overlooked benefit of being anti-sports ball is not giving a rat's ass who won. I mean, maybe if you gamble, it matters. But like, yeah. I was like very passively rooting for the 49ers because they had a white quarterback and an awesome white running back. But I really didn't give a rat's ass. And I don't give a rat's ass about the professional team. I didn't it's know, a major improvement to my life. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that the Super Bowl was this weekend until I saw people crying about this. People that say that they don't care about sports ball and what normies mm-hmm. are doing crying about the why? Super Bowl. And no, it's like, why okay, so that's, so that's so you I don't decided. actually you don't actually not care about these things because you're on the internet crying about it. And it's like, bro, yeah. normies normies are out there having a good time. They have no idea that you're sitting around uh, sour grapes crying about this shit like a, a re- weird faggot. True. Um, yeah. Like, get over yourself. Get off the internet. Go to a Super Bowl party and like make fun of these people to their faces. Except you probably didn't get invited to a Super Bowl party because you're the type of person that complains about people having a good time on the internet. 
That's why I decided I wanted the Chiefs to win, is the sort of person who watches sports but gets mad that they show Taylor Swift on the TV. I want those people to be more mad. <laughs> like, I, I like it that you, this makes you mad, and that's not an opinion on the Chiefs or Taylor Swift. I wasn't mad. Uh, that's at, another whole can of worms. I was mad looking but at my, my artist. Yeah, that's day whatever. But my final piece is that uh, I uh, I demand someone donate two dollars fifty seven cents to the show because that's how much my favorite candy bar costs. And, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm going to go get one now, and I expect to be compensated. Jo's and Jo's and hot big big sugar buying a candy bar. I think total cup uh, faggot move. Yeah. <laughs> the break the break well, music this week should be shaken off by Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I was going to say my my favorite candy bar is it cost uh, two thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. So if you want to do <laughs> that, to help me buy oh, my candy. Shameless, what do you need twenty seven thousand five hundred dollars yeah. for? I don't even have yeah. two million five hundred seven thousand yeah. dollars. <laughs> if, if somebody sends us two dollars and fifty seven cents through uh, give send go or earmarks it and says I'm sponsoring Jo's candy bar this week, good to hear him back. Uh, I'll I'll pass it along maybe. Hey, plus, oh, plus, plus ten percent should have was uh, Taylor Swift song. Look what you made me do. Like, do I have to tell you guys what the parody line would be? I fucking hate these dudes. I fucking hate these dudes. Like that, we we slept on that one by not making. Yeah, sleep with the wheel. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you very much. This was a blast, especially mm -hmm. delightful to have Smasher and J.O. back on the same show. You guys know the invite is open to you. Sometimes I have dragged J.O. and Smasher kicking and screaming to the microphone. Other times they're like, uh, hey, coach, can, can I get back on? Uh, so it, it goes both <laughs> ways sometimes. You know the invite is always open. Sam, I am going to post that article yeah. to the site as soon as we wrap this and we will release. I haven't listened to it yet, but I think – I think it's actually really great that to hear you narrate your autobiography way more satisfying uh, than yeah. reading it. Cause you know, it's, it's like, Oh, he's doing his own audio books now. Awesome. <laughs> it's not that, it's not, it's not that long. It's not 500 pages. Yeah. All no. right. Yeah. Good stuff. Thank you, gentlemen. Full House episode 178 was recorded on Super Bowl Sunday, February 11th. It is now February 12th. We are almost through the winter. We got some more snow and mixed stuff coming through this part of the country and into the Northeast in a day or two. Uh, but we're almost out of the worst of it, and I'll be out there walking soon enough. Uh, yeah. I don't know what to tell you guys. We we love you. We will keep doing this. I think that the uh, Rolo says. Oh, I think I think we got a second head of steam. Rolo, Rolo's always trying to keep Coach uh, <laughs> upbeat and stuff, and I love him for that too. He's always willing and ready to go. Same goes for Sam. Uh, I guess Smasher Jo and I we're we're a bit more of the broody type. But I guess shake it off. This year is way too important. There's too much important stuff going on. There's too many white pills out there. There's too many new white babies being born. And and frankly, the feedback has been awesome lately. Even if it's just a little personal thing like, hey, love the show. Keep doing it. Thank you. Okay. That matters. And so taking it out to God. I'm going uh Christ, I didn't have one uh teed up here. <sighs> Sam, you got one on the hopper. Jay was banned from all music from Full House for all time <laughs> after <laughs> that screaming abomination. <laughs>
<laughs> want to do i want to do like <laughs> what's the one on uh the, the new one that she did that's really good doom do doom midnight i don't know i don't know all right i'll think about it <laughs> i'm gonna be sitting here posting sam's article i don't know what we're going out to but we'll make it good uh, uh save yourself by stabbing westward i'll listen to it rollo no promises thank you to sam jo rollo smasher two love you fam We'll talk to you next week for sure because there's too much going on. And uh, Smasher, it's over to you. Take us out. So he remembered. See you. Don't take pity